This is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the CBS all-access miniseries, The Stand. This week we are covering episode eight of The Stand, titled The Stand, all about The Stand. Real Ooh. clever Some title there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Little redundancies, but it's all right. It's okay. So give In us your fitting. thoughts. Please take the stand. Um, <laughs> Do you have a stand oh. on the stand? <laughs> I just thought about that. They are on the stand. In the episode, The Stand, of The Stand, about the series, The Stand. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Ooh. Ooh. It's an, it's an inception of Stephen King. Ooh. Good movie, by the way. Well, welcome back, Paik. We're so happy to have yeah. you join us for, um, I think I called this, when I put in the feedback post, like the finale. I know it's not the last episode. I'm not quite sure what we're going to get in the coda. Because it's like mm-hmm. a new ending, so maybe that's really the finale. I don't know, but I'm so happy that you're that you're back here with us to talk yeah. about this episode. It's a big episode to get to talk about. So yes, it is. That's exciting. <laughs> it yeah. is kind of it is kind of weird though, because I mean, episode nine is the coda. Episode mm-hmm. eight, I, I do look at it in some ways as the finale of the story. It's it's yeah. not really the finale mm-hmm. of the series, but it's right. the finale of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of felt that way a little bit. I mean, it, they left some things open-ended. I mean, we're still kind of like, well, what about that person and, and this person? And what happened here? Um, we ha- had some things, you know, kind of left in the air. But at the same time, it did feel like it was kind of the end. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe the coda is going to be the, like considered the new ending. Because, like, what well, wasn't it like the, the original book when it came out? was the book and then they had the unabridged version that Stephen King added to and he changed the ending right and now I know we haven't read it but that's what I I, I thought I read that that he, he's already changed the ending once with the unabridged version or extended it or something and oh, now he's fam- kind of doing it again I thought I read that I could be wrong I know I know everybody's yelling at me right now and they're typing on their keyboards <laughs> going you're wrong Rima you're wrong um, that's this okay. This is the earliest I've ever had to scream at this podcast. I know. We haven't even started in our top three yet, and they're already yelling at me. Um, 
Yeah, don't at me, guys. I know. I will learn this, but I thought I read from somewhere that he's already changed it once um, whenever he did the unabridged and added all of however many pages because um, it's already a big book, and then it was even bigger, the unabridged, and now he's kind of done it again. So I don't know. I don't know what, what the hell the finale is, but either way, I'm just glad that we're here talking about it because um, there's a lot to dig into. And kind yeah. of bummed that this is kind of... Oh, this is the either the finale or the penultimate, depending on how you look at it, means... I, I don't know what the hell it is. I don't well, know what I mean, it, it either means, it, like, it's not the finale for me, uh, but it, it, depending on who you are, some people might be happy I'm done with this after this episode, um, or after <laughs> next week's episode. I don't know. No. Um, no. You're loved, Ben. <sighs> Hey, I've been I've been getting good feedback on on yes, us podcasting. This is this has been good. I'd this say has been fun. it's it's high percentage of good. <laughs> high per- It's a passing. It was, <laughs> yeah, passing. you know it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gosh, coming I in and taking this spot for a little bit is fine. <laughs> <It's> fine. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> a little getting personal now. Okay, guys. Okay. You've kept my seat warm long enough, Ben. <laughs> uh, don't get too I, comfortable. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I I uh, do have a challenge for the two of you on discussing in this episode. Oh shit. Okay. Um, it's, no, it's not really bad. I, like I'm I'm challenging you to help me decide how I really feel about this episode cuz oh. I'm kind of on the fence. Okay. Well, there's there's a part of me that really wants to love this episode and then there's another part of me that I'm like I don't feel the way I should about this episode. So I'm you know, kind of hoping by the yeah. end of this discussion that opinion I'm I'm going to lean you're, one you're way or the other way. by yeah. the Well, yes. I th- I think that you will cuz I feel like, you know, and we've said it multiple times on this podcast that, you know, sometimes we go into it kind of not quite sure where we're leaning um or sometimes mm-hmm. not quite caring for it that much and then usually by the end it's like, "Oh, okay, I have a deeper appreciation for it now." So, mm-hmm. I don't know, but you know what? Your feelings are okay. They are valid and whatever <laughs> You know, whether you like it or you don't is okay. Um, yeah. we we'll see where we get at the end. Because <laughs> I don't know where I'm at right now. I don't know if I could help you that much because I'm kind of in the exact same boat. So oh, <laughs> I'm riding right. that same fence. So it's, we'll I mean, see where we get to at the end. Yeah. And I appreciate that because, you know, I think, I don't know. I think there was some shortfalls in the episode, but I think there were some good things about the episode too. So yeah. I think we're all kind of leaning either way and no one is wrong that's the beauty of it, it is unless you're wrong <laughs> you, yeah unless you're wrong then no one is wrong unless you're wrong exactly and mm-hmm. hey we've been wrong about things in the past i mean we've always kind we've of corrected so them. wrong it, so the whole wrong. the whole nick piano thing like you know yeah. we were so set that like is it a sense? Totally How do you know? Didn't. And it was just something we completely missed that the lid was closed on the piano. That was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why? Yeah. And, and you know, had good reason. So I know. I know. Um, <laughs> well, I, 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 that kind of then solves, you know, or answers my questions because I always ask you guys, um, you know, what are your thoughts on the episode? I think you guys have kind of you know, already said we're all kind of on the fence a little bit. So 
mm-hmm. why not just go ahead and jump into our top three so we can start talking about it and then we can maybe take a poll at the end and kind of see where each of us have landed and how we felt so let's yeah. step up to ben's challenge and take as right. our guest this week would you like to start us off with your number three all right and when we talk about numbers, like I picked the more positive stuff for my for my numbers, you know, three, two, one, obviously. So awesome. We'll get to the more of the negative stuff probably in the notes. Okay, but, uh, that's okay. But yeah, that's cool. We'll balance it out. But uh, yeah. my number three is I just wanted to talk about it's criminally underrated. I don't understand why you guys don't like him and never want to talk about him on this show. But Greg Kinnear as Glenn Bateman. <laughs> 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 I, he just I, doesn't get enough appreciation on this show. I know. I don't. I don't know what your guys' problem with him is. We're but I never want to talk about him. I legitimately <laughs> thought you were being serious, and I was like, "Who was he talking about? Who do we not show love to on this show?" <laughs> That's great. Yeah, but no. Um, you know, we're, we don't get him long this episode, no. unfortunately. But but I think it was it was really powerful and it was great. Uh, the first thing that I thought he had a really powerful line, a great line is while they're in that little jail cell in the basement or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about, you know, the crucified bodies lining the streets and Ray's like, isn't that just, they're so evil and it's terrible. And he was like, I actually kind of welcome it. And I like his line where there is, he says, because that means that he can't even trust his own people on the inside. Yeah. And this is like, so then the fact that he's having to crucify his own people to keep them in line and like as punishment for dissenting against him, that's and I like his line. He says, "That's not strength. That's weakness." Yeah, and I think that is really cool because it's like. And then Ray just like turns from there and she has this kind of like look, like you know what? You're right. Yeah, and, he is right, <laughs> or at least yeah. I think so. Yeah, I mean that's point. Mm-hmm. and that's one of the best lines of the episode too. Is you know he says to him, "Bunch of lost, scared people following somebody who makes him feel just a little less lost." Stop me if you've heard this one before. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's one of my points because, of course, my. You know, that's also one of my points, clearly, because, you know, I feel like we have lacked in talking about Glenn during this series. So we've got to talk about him in this episode, um, kind of a big episode for him. Um, but I thought that was really interesting how he compares, you know, the residents of New Vegas to the survivors in Boulder. Lost people following someone that makes them feel a little less lost. Yeah. I mean, are the people, LeBrandel Flag? Yes, bad. Are there probably. Mm-hmm you know, more, maybe more bad people in New Vegas than what there are in Boulder? Maybe. But aren't they just people like the people of Boulder? Do you really think that whole place is full of bad, evil people? I don't think so. Yeah, and that's his big point. And it kind of goes into even, you know, further into the next scenes. But he's really trying to, like, let's not paint it as an us versus them thing. Like, yeah. They just chose what we would view as the wrong side of the person they ended up following. But we all just followed somebody that made us feel less lost. Like exactly. you said, to where even in the scene in the courtroom when Lloyd has the gun pointed at him and he says, he's like, I'm not begging for my own life. I want you to know that I'm begging for yours. Mm-hmm. He says, like, you you still have a choice to make. And I can see that you're just scared and lost and you really don't know what you're doing. And I'm trying to give you an opportunity here to see the facade that all of you are living under flag here. And so he's, he's giving that speech and I love that. Like he goes out pretty badass in that way, even though I don't know if he actually expected to die, but I think he was okay with it. If that's what happened mm-hmm. to get that message across. Cause 
I love the Game of Thrones references where he said because you know Ratwoman's being like he's the greatest you know Randall Flag and he's uh-huh. like yeah yeah we get it Randall Flag mother of dragons queen of the Andals yeah <laughs> I love that because <laughs> we all know yeah spoiler alert season eight how Daenerys really went full Mad yeah. Queen um, you she know, went full Randall Flag she went yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> and so I love that that he's kind of and it. This is kind of jumping into a further point that we'll talk about way later. But, just, you know, with Randall Flagg, as you see, like, that's kind of the purpose of why that they're here. And Glenn is showing that pretty right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Is that by being able to talk to this, like, courtroom people and then it's being streamed to everybody else in New Vegas who is watching this at the same time, Flag included, where he's saying, like, this is just – that's all that this guy has on you is fear. Like, he's not actually accomplishing anything. As long as you're under his thumb, then that's what gives him his power. And it made me think of, without spoiling too much, but American Gods, the show, where kind of the whole premise there is like gods only live and continue to live based off of the power that their worshipers give them by believing in them. Or, right. And so the less confidence and less that people believe that Flag is some kind of great leader, because you even see it with all the like, you know, the doubt and dissent that Glenn has just spread through that courtroom mm-hmm. and Flag starts lowering himself to the ground he's not floating anymore his power is already diminishing yeah, yeah. Tell I, I have shaken i have that mm-hmm. in my notes too and i called it the stumble of doubt yeah. Um, yeah because you're right like immediately after um the the whole courtroom scene that's he 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 falls yeah mm-hmm. um, nobody sees him fall but he falls and he stumbles because at, it's at that point that he's he's weakening because his yeah. his hold over the people is pretty much diminishing at this point yeah yeah they're they're breaking through um by what they're saying and raising that doubt and realizing you know that they're being fed propaganda you know that's why i'm saying you can't really fault everyone that's in new vegas for all they know the people of boulder are bad you know flag keeps referencing mother abigail as a witch you know, that they're worshiping. They're not worshiping yeah. her. They follow her, but they're not worshiping her. But, yeah. you know, he, the, and the propaganda that he puts out there and, you know, making it like the people of Boulder are spies and they're evil and they want to stop what we have going on here. Now, is New Vegas all pure? And, you know, with what they're doing? No, we've got, you know, fights to the death and they're crucifying people and hanging them up along the streets of New Vegas and, you know, kind of beating people when they're not following orders. And, you know, it's, but, you know, they're, they're, they're ruling on fear and all of these people are not bad. And like, like said, they're being fed all of this stuff and they don't know, there's Mm -hmm. no communication. There's no way, no way that they can see what's happening over there and see for themselves. So they're trusting flag who's someone who's given them a safe place to be. It might be hedonistic and, and such, but it's a safe place to be They're They have food, they have electricity, you know, they've got water. So, you know, they don't know what they don't know. I'm not saying that that's okay or anything, but, you know, they're, they're, they have faith in him since they, or he yeah. protects them. So, you know, but then when they realize, you know, that he's kind of full of shit, that's when, like you said, Ben, it, you know, it's kind of shaken, you know, yeah. That, that in him. facade or that mask on him kind of falls off because, yeah, like you said, all they know, because they haven't been to Boulder. Right. So what they know is what Flag has told them of this witch who's sitting over there and taking away all of the, the things in life that, that make them feel good and happy and almost makes it feel like they're all enslaved in Boulder and have to live 
mm-hmm. this like weird commune lifestyle and they have no reason to believe that's not true. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. But now that they're saying like, wait, you're saying all of this, but however, the second that somebody says something against you, you don't like, they get hung up on a cross outside on the street or you order Lloyd to shoot them in the middle of everybody right here in front of everyone. Like, is it, is it them that's, you know, enslaving right. people and manipulating people or is it you? And yeah. when they actually give them, and I think that was probably one of their mistakes in this kangaroo court was to give them a, a, a chance to speak, or at least Glenn was spoke more than the other two during this time, you know, um, was they were like, oh, well, he doesn't sound crazy. He doesn't sound messed up. He doesn't sound, you know, angry. He's actually kind of making sense. And it's probably a mistake that Randall Flagg did by broadcasting this whole thing and having this big showroom of mm-hmm. the court and kind of allowing that um, because it started to put that doubt in a lot of the people, um, you know, for them to realize, oh, those people maybe aren't as bad. Maybe they're not our enemies. Like, you know, um, we're being Mm -hmm. told. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that was kind of, yeah. My number three, again, to kind of recap that to bring it back is, yeah, is, is Glenn being, and we see that with, I mean, Larry plays a good role in that too, but Glenn being the first one that we see the reason that Abigail sent them, to New Vegas is they are here to, to kind of start sowing those seeds of sound of doubt and dissent amongst New Vegas and actually kind of show the people there that flag is not who he says he is. And that's in order for, to, for flag to be weakened to the point where he, they can be destroyed. Yeah. I like it. I like that. Good. Number three way to kick it off. Um, how about you, Ben, what's your number three? Well, that was pretty much it, actually. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, the the courtroom scene, the courtroom scene, and flag stumble of doubt, as I called it. But I mean, just you know, just to further a little bit too, to when you see the people and you see the, I I, I fully agree that Glenn was willing to die. Um, mm. He may not have expected it. He might, you know, Lloyd called his bluff when he told Lloyd, uh, you know, you're not going to shoot me, Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Lloyd called his bluff. I, I think Glenn was okay with the fact that. It happened, Um, you know, because even Glenn tells him, like, it's okay as he's lying there dying Mm -hmm. on the floor because Glenn knows the people witness this. Yeah. They're going to see the ranks are breaking Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that he he literally was that first seed of doubt. Right. So I I think Glenn was okay making that sacrifice. I believe Glenn would be okay making that sacrifice, knowing it literally leads to the end. Of mm-hmm. of everything, he is the first seed of doubt planted. Yeah, that just which I am so glad that they showed this better because that was my biggest problem with the 1994 miniseries. Was by the end because you know everybody dies kind of the same way. The bomb goes off and everybody that's there. Mm-hmm. But it made me think back. I was like because they didn't really show this whole like sowing seeds of doubt and dissent amongst the people it was literally just like flag had them like chained up and then it was like these people are bad and then you know trash being <laughs> trash can man comes in and blows them all up and i was sitting there's like so they made this journey and we got all this backstory on these characters and they actually didn't accomplish anything at all and it was all by chance right is what yeah. it almost felt like you took away from the original miniseries so to see how glenn and and larry really like helped spread seeds amongst you know Nadine and amongst Lloyd and amongst all these other people listening and watching actually did set these motions effect. This probably wouldn't have happened if they didn't show up. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, it, it's good to see that this was actually 
because you're right in the 94 miniseries it makes it seem like mother abigail sent these guys to las vegas purely just for the sake of being there when it all ended right mm-hmm. but, but this actually gives us a better understanding as to why she sent them this was their purpose this is exactly why she sent them there um I do have a little bit of an issue with it, and we'll get to it a little bit later. But as far as the Glenn aspect of all this, I I know we jokingly show a lot of love to Greg Kinnear over the past couple episodes. But in all honesty, this is his strongest performance of this series. Oh, man. So Mm -hmm. good. Like to the point where when he was shot, I knew it was coming. I still broke up over it. Like I still got sad that like uh, uh, Glenn died. Like this really sucks. But I mean, even to the point where, you know, in the beginning of the courtroom scene, when Lloyd is is doing his whole spiel and, you know, Ratwoman is behind the stand and she's doing everything that like every time the camera looks at Glenn, he's just sitting there giving like that smug look like this is a joke. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. he knows from the start, this is a joke. Mm -hmm. He's on to everything. Um, and even going further back, with, you know, when I mentioned the line again, bunch of lost, scared peoples following somebody who makes him feel just a little less lost. Stop me if you've heard this before. It's that stop me if you've heard this before that really, really puts the, everything into perspective. Because that sentence not only describes Flag and everybody in New Vegas, it describes everybody in Boulder. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's who they are. They're lost people who are scared. And they followed Mother Abigail because she made them feel less lost. Yeah. Yeah. So it really, that one sentence puts into perspective how similar these two situations are. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I just, like, that to me is one of that courtroom scene with Greg Kinnear and Larry and with Glenn, Larry and Ray and Lloyd and Ratwoman and everybody there. It's one of the two the two really big highlights of this episode that I have. Greg Kinnear's acting is one of them, and then there's another acting job that I really enjoyed in this episode too, but we'll get to later. All right. Cool. That was my number three. It was the same as Pakes, but I just wanted to elaborate a little bit further. Yeah. It's always okay to elaborate on Glenn, or Greg Kinnear, (laughs) in his performance. Um, I agree. You know, that was my number three too, because that's that's the scene that hit me the hardest was – um, you know, the courtroom scene and of course Glenn getting shot. I, you know, I knew what was going to happen. I knew, um, you know, from the 94 version that, you know, the, the group that was sent there to Vegas was sent there. They're, they're going to die. Um, we just don't know yet. How are they going to follow the book? Are they going to follow the 94 series? Don't know. So I wasn't sure what to expect, but I know, that when it happened, even though I know he, you know, um, I, and I guess I should have known, maybe it's me being a little naive that, that Lloyd would actually do it, you know, cause he was kind of chickening out. Um, I, I was not expecting that when it happened. And I know I gasped and kind of leaked off my couch and I was like, what the fuck, you know, and as he's, you know, he shot him once and I thought that was going to be it. He'll just give him that. Cause that was like a, that's what I thought too. Yeah. I yeah. was like, okay, well that's a wound that, that it's like in the shoulder. He can, he can recover we'll survive from that. that. He can. He's okay. Um, but then when he just laid into him, I was like, 
Well, even then, like when he fired the shot into his shoulder and, and, and Glenn drops, and I'm like, okay, he can survive that. Yeah. And then you see Lloyd unloading the gun, and I'm like, okay, the shot's on Lloyd. He's shooting, He's shooting the ground the next to Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, then the it, and then it goes to Glenn, and you see all the bullets. I'm like, oh, no, never mind. I'm wrong. He died. I know. And I'm like, oh, did you have to show it? Did you have to show his death? And I guess to be sure that, yes, He's really shooting Glenn and and to see what happened to Lloyd after that, I guess he does have to die and he has to be the one to do it. And we do have to see it and how brutal it was because it was very brutal. It was overkill. Yeah. Well, what and, and one of the other things I really like about this scene, too, is and not not to jump into your anything that you have to say mm-hmm. about your number three, because I knew I knew after this scene, I'm like, all three of us are going to be talking about this. Oh, scene. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no question in my mind. But I like, like, we talk about the the seeds of doubt that are planted, you know, with Glenn's death, you know, planting the seed. It actually plants multiple seeds Mm -hmm. because we see the people start to question where they're at and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And then, but we also see, because this is a very similar situation that Lloyd was in when we first met him. He had the opportunity. He had a gun pulled on somebody with somebody telling him, pull the trigger. Right. And he didn't do it then. Yeah. And and now we see him in the same situation. He actually pulls the trigger and then he walks away with his head down because he's now starting to doubt that he's the person everybody makes him out to be, mm-hmm. including sure. Flag. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's Glenn's death really starts a um a, a chain reaction that I I kind of it was it was it was interesting to watch play out throughout this episode. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, little moment of silence for Glenn, um, R.I.P. <laughs> and of course for the other survivors. But that was our first casualty of of the episode, and it was heartbreaking for all of us um, lovers of that character, and of course for Greg Kinnear. And what an outstanding performance, like you said, um, just really, really amazing. Um, and yeah, loved, loved his line about, you know, we've already talked about lost people following someone that makes them feel a little less lost and love the Game of Thrones reference, of course. I thought, man, that's spot on. Um, leave it to Glenn to make that analogy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I thought that was great. So yep, that was my number three as well. I also like the line from that scene, too, where Glenn says to Lloyd, like, what are you also afraid of? <laughs> and Lloyd's like, he can fly oh. and he fucking like <laughs> ate a dude last week. Yeah, <laughs> He can fly and he ate a dude. Yeah. What do you think? Like you almost be like, of? okay, you got a point there. <laughs> <laughs> can we not forget Bobby Terry? You know, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you can you can see why the people who witnessed that, and of course, as word spreads around New Vegas, why people might be a little bit afraid. You know, of um, not towing the line, as it were. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, well, good number three, guys. Um, so, Pake, for all of us, yeah. Um, Pake, what's your number two? <laughs> My number two, I call The End of Nadine. Here we go. Yeah. And actually, I said that, you know, I I have so much positive in here, but actually the first part of this is pretty negative. I think Uh, not towards Amber Heard again. I mean, as far as we can. But no, honestly, this scene, the first scene where we see her in the episode where she comes down to talk to Larry in the kitchen. Mm hmm. I even watching it multiple times and going back and rewatching the episode and rewatching. I'm like. I don't think they got this scene across the way that they intended to, because it's really, it falls flat for me. Okay. Where 
you know, they come in. I, I do love Ray being like, you look bad, bitch. Like, yeah. that's, uh, <laughs> Someone needs to tell her, like, you yeah. don't look good at all. Because she's still in this, yeah, like, just false sense of, like, beauty and like, oh, I'm I'm his queen and I'm bringing I'm her a prince to the world. I'm a glowing mother, and, yeah. <laughs> and then for, but then Larry's just like, you know, they has this little talk about you saved me and you saved Joe and you saved, and like, and still, so I see what they're trying to get in this scene and what it's trying to get across is like, you know, your humanity is still there and you did this and you did that. But then it was like her, her version or his version of that is like, look at your reflection. And then like something changes where then she sees herself as she is. And then like it immediately cuts into like birthing pains and then like it's over. And I don't know, maybe you guys can help me with it, but like they did not get it across the way that I wanted them to. Cause it was like, but what did Larry really do? Like, I see the story they're trying to tell is, yeah. And then Larry instills humanity in her and it causes her then to go and, and question flag. But it seems like they could have showed that way better than they did because he really didn't do anything but hold up a thing. Go, look, look, look. And that was it. I, I, I do kind of get what you're saying, um, mm-hmm. but I do disagree a little bit. Um you know, I think it really goes back. It ties into that courtroom scene again. I think a lot of what we're going to say is going to tie yeah. into the courtroom scene. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, when we see, you know, Glenn plant that seed and then we see, you know, Randall Flagg fall and stumble, he's losing his power. And one of his biggest powers right now is over Nadine. Yeah. He he kind of has a glimmer over her so that mm-hmm. he can let her see what she okay. uh, see that. And I think the reason why Larry's showing her her own reflection why she was actually able to see it this time is because of Flag Flag's losing his powers. powers are that makes sense. A little bit. That does make sense. Yeah. Well, so that, if, that helps. How that helps me because I was like, why? Okay. Why was Larry able to? Because I mean, we saw her in the elevator. She still thinks, "Oh, I'm beautiful," you know. Mm-hmm. And the other two in the elevator are like, "Oh, good," you know. And and we know and with, that she looks yeah. pretty bad. So that that helped me. I'm like, why was Larry able to get through to her, show her her reflection, and see what she truly looks like? That this thing has. Like she looks bad. This thing is sucking the life out of her and, and killing her essentially. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that you brought that up because yeah, it's it, it does help actually. Yeah, as I said, you guys helped me. You did because it <laughs> it goes and, back to it's just another ripple of what yeah. Glenn had instilled exactly. there. And not only that, but even in the past, as we've seen over the of, of over past episodes, with the exception of Flag, Larry is literally the only person who has been able to get through to Nadine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to me that with Randall Flagg's power diminishing and that glimmer over her fading so that she can see her reflection, it is the one person who's been able to get through to her before who's actually the one to be able to show her her, her own true reflection and how she looks at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, and, and it was cool that Larry kind of takes the lead from Glenn, you know, to, to show how if you can cause like he throws the stone Glenn does and causes that ripple effect and I feel like um, Larry was kind of throwing another stone to make an even bigger ripple hoping that if he can somehow convince Nadine of the same thing like he doesn't care about you look what's happened to you is this truly what you wanted for yourself or what you envisioned for yourself and the rest of your life Um, you know and he, he plants that doubt and then of course we see that play out um, at, as she's in the uh, the penthouse and in labor, um, mm-hmm. you know, and she defies him, you know, yeah. um, and he thinks that he gets he thinks he still got her under a spell because the, the stone necklace that she wears, you know, starts to glow. And it looks like she's she kind of, 
you know, kind of comes back under his spell a little bit and he's like, that's my girl. And then starts to walk away. And then that's when she rips it from her yeah. neck and says, Which I, right. <laughs> I thought that scene was actually done very well. Mm-hmm. Like I said, even though I, I, I felt initially that the switch in her was a little sudden, but it does make a little more sense to think that this other, you know, it is also because of his power diminishing. So I do, I'm okay with that. I think that shot itself of her smashing the window and falling through was incredibly done. Yeah. The like how you, she's falling fast and then it's slow motion and the glass shards around her and then it pans way out and she's falling fast again, but then it's slow. Like you kind of see these different angles they play with and it's just perfectly like, I mean, brutal, but like poetically uh, dark and mm-hmm. disturbing mm-hmm. as she like falls through these different layers, those things like the ceiling decorations and into the pool. Yeah. And then that's it for her. And it's just shocking. But then mm-hmm. it really, I love the the thing there is then after this happens and it shows flag up there and he's distraught and he's upset and he's angry, but it really shows his true form there. Cause he goes, no, my child, like he doesn't give a fuck about Nadine. He never yeah, did. Never did. Never has. That it really, yeah. you know, it just shows that like, oh, that's what he's worried about. Mm-hmm. And then his kind of, again, it shows him faltering and stumbling because he decides his payback for this is to send Larry her destroyed head. You know, it was left. But Literally I think, on a yeah. silver platter. Yeah. yeah. Which was really like fucked up, but... I, I'm here with Larry because you mentioned, you know, Larry throws in some other ripples and pebbles, not just with Nadine, but he gets another chance at Lloyd. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens is because, you know, uh, Ratwoman brings the tray down, which I just I got to say with Ratwoman, I was like, Ratwoman, MC, security detail, judge, labor nurse and delivery doctor, entertainment director, live entertainment TV producer director. Yep. and room service. She, get, she, this woman can do it all. She wears um, many hats. And she has a different costume for every one of those roles that she changes did you men- into. Did you mention bedside nurse? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, yeah. The, the labor nurse. Delivery nurse. Too. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which I loved her little Red Cross lipstick, too, that went with the whole nurse thing. It was great. But no. Side, side, but, you know, she brings the, the tray with the head down to Larry and it sits there. But then when Lloyd comes in and they're thinking, oh, yeah, we messed with him. We got him. He's been sitting here staring at this head and he's going to crack. And Larry's got this smile. I was like, what the fuck you got to smile about? Mm-hmm. And he's like, you think that you're getting to me, but this actually helps make my point. He said, she was his queen, his everything. And look what happened to her. And he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. So do, what, what makes you think that you are any better off or you stand any better chance with him? And, exactly. and, then, hitting, and then hitting the point home with whose head do you think or who do you think he'll deliver your head to? Yeah. You know? Yep. It was another beautifully put, and I paraphrase that line. I, I don't remember the exact line of that yeah, one. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's essentially, um, yep. But, you know, it, again, it was kind of like, th- let's just break out the sow uh, and uh, <laughs> you know, the hoe and start sowing more of those seeds, man, because that's yeah. exactly what they were doing. Yep. Yeah, and I loved, so as much as, you know, it's in my notes that with Lloyd, I, we, we kind of mentioned it, you know, like, I, I don't like Nat Wolf's version of Lloyd Henry that well that much at mm-hmm. all. I think he's way too flamboyant and over the top and it doesn't really fit the character at all. I agree. And I don't know if that's Nat Wolf's fault or the writing and scripting, you know, of this show. I'm not sure. But at least, you know, I will say I uh, will say for his character arc in this episode is annoying and a little too much he can be in some ways that I don't think is necessary. It is nice to see 
that arc through this episode of him starting it off being 100% team flag and just kind of disintegrating through the episode and realizing all of this is bullshit and I am not a good, you know, like I'm not on the right side here and I don't actually have any kind of power and I've just been pretending this whole time. Right. Yeah. And finally deciding to do sort of the right thing, quote unquote. I mean, he still dies a terrible death and nothing really matters. But yeah, I I agree with that 100%. This is, Mm -hmm. this is the one episode I actually felt something for the character of Lloyd. Yeah. Yeah. Same. The rest of the time, it's been, like you said, it's been overly flamboyant. He never mm-hmm. came across as a right-hand man. Yeah. This is the one time I felt like, okay, I'm feeling the doubt that Lloyd is feeling. Like, I get yeah. the doubt he is feeling. I like how this is turning around. Those seeds are planted. Seeing him break down in the hallway with Ratwoman, like, mm-hmm. I I got Lloyd this episode. Yeah. Now, it's, it was finally, yeah, we, we finally got the good performance that you know i wanted to see out of him right before he died but <laughs> yeah i mean even when he goes out there with julie to announce randall flag and like he does and he puts on this fake face and he's the randall flag and then <laughs> he gives you know the back of the microphone and he's just like about to break down he's like i can't do this shit anymore and he just walks off yeah <laughs> and you know i just i, I feel like w- watching him throughout the season it's like he's been playing a a character exactly like we've seen him. That's, I don't think the real him, the real Lloyd, he's been playing this Mm -hmm. part that he thinks everybody thinks he should be, you know, this over the top flamboyant, you know, they're in Vegas and it kind of fits. And, you know, he, he, he's, he has in quotes, you know, the power, um, or at least as much as being flags, right hand man gives him or something. Um, and so I think he has been playing a character. So maybe it's been appropriate. Maybe it was supposed to be that way because he kind of did that when we first met him in the shootout in the uh, convenience store. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we saw a little glimpse of the real him, but I think he was kind of pretending to be who he, who his partner wanted him to be. It wasn't really him. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this was, I think, one of his, like his best episode yet. I, th- I think there was some good acting coming from him. And we got to see the real, finally got to see the real Lloyd. Yeah, you know, finally come well, out. It, and even in that scene too, you know, in the hallway when Lloyd takes off the rock, this, you know, takes off Flagstone, and he's holding it up, and he's like, "I've been with you since the beginning." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that was more Lloyd trying to convince himself that he's important to Flag, yeah, rather than convince Flag that he's important to him. Yeah, yeah, because he was already starting to show those doubts. He was sitting, he was crying in the hallway. He was regretting killing Glenn. That was basically, I think, him trying to convince himself that he's important. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. that he's somebody that he's <laughs> really not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I did like that scene uh, all with him in, in the hallway for the other part of that, too. Strangely, as much as I say he's kind of obnoxious and over the top, it was kind of good for a little comic relief chuckle in that moment when he's sitting there with him. And then, you know, she's like, you know, I was acting. I didn't actually want you to shoot him. Yeah. And he says, I was like, well, couldn't you give me some kind of sign, like a wink or a caca or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then when she mentions, you know, it's like, I wouldn't worry about this. Like, I'd just be more talking about Bobby Terry. He's like, I'd just be more worried about what happened to the last guy that shot somebody that he didn't want him to shoot. And he's like, exactly. why would you bring that up? Like, why would you bring that up? Don't uh, bring up that bad juju, man. Yeah. And, and I just love too when he's uh, holding that rock up and he's like, I, I've been with you since the beginning. 
ending. I've been with you since the beginning. It was her fault. Yeah, she was the one that did it. I don't know what else to say. Like she told me to do it. Immediately, immediately throwing her under the bus. Yep. Which was yep. which was great. Yeah, they're all turning <laughs> on each other, which is yeah. typically what happens. Um, yeah. So the kingdom comes crumbling down one brick at a time. Yeah, yep. for sure. And once it starts, you can't stop it. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that. and it was really, you know, it was Glenn. Glenn was that first, the first brick. And now yep. Yep. knocked over that first one. And then now we're just continuously seeing it. Um, that was awesome. It kind of. It kind of takes me into my number two as well, because okay. my number yeah. two was also related to Nadine, Larry, and Ray. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we did talk a lot about a, a lot about the, the Nadine aspect of it. Um, but, you know, can, just a little bit more about the Larry part of it. It's, you know, it, going back to Larry being the one to show Nadine her reflection and show her her true self, the, the self that she wasn't seeing and how appropriate I feel it was Larry that did that. I mean, let's not forget, like, Larry and Nadine have had a connection this whole time. They arrived in Boulder together. Larry's been the only one that's been able to to get through to Nadine. And I think it makes sense that Larry's the one that does that. Because look at, look at how he treated Harold last episode. Yeah. He had no connection to Harold other than the fact of Harold leaving him clues to get to Boulder. And he still showed Harold, even after he did what he did... A little bit of respect and in dignity, his, yeah, and dignity mm-hmm. by covering up the body. So, if he was willing to do that for Harold, I had, I was not. I, there was no part of me that was not able to believe Larry would do that for Nadine. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. You know, it had that scene happened before the courtroom, like had the episode opened with this scene with Nadine visiting Larry and Larry showing Nadine her reflection. Then, Paik, I would have been like you, and I would have been like, this makes no sense. Yeah. But after the courtroom scene and seeing him shuffle and fall and knowing now he's losing his power, that was when I was like, okay, her, his power over her is even diminishing. Yeah. Now yeah. she can see herself. So, but it kind of leads me into the one thing I did have an issue with, with this episode. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're talking, you know, talking about Larry and Ray and their final moments together. You know, we had Glenn, Larry, and Ray being the three that made it to New Vegas. Glenn sowed his seeds of doubt in his speech in the courtroom. Larry did his part with what he had in many, in helping Nadine realize herself and so and making Lloyd feel even more fearful. Mm-hmm. What did Ray do? I didn't feel she- like Ray <laughs> contributed to that. At all. She no. did not contribute to the cause, of, not that we could see anyway, of trying to help sow those seeds and continuing to, you know, help that bloom. Um, you know, L- Larry really helped that because he was shouting, um, I will fear no evil. And yeah. man, that really did a great job, not just with, with Lloyd, but the rest of the group too. Like, because Glenn s- said that in the courtroom, like, is that what he's got over you is fear? That's it. And, you know, as he's, I will fear no evil, I will fear no evil, you know, um, that that really resonated throughout the crowd and really started to, of course, piss off Flag in a big way. But, yeah, I was looking at Ray like, what are you doing? And you're sitting there, you know, what, you, you got anything to say? Or are you going to help out? Or, you know, well, I don't well, know. That's that, a really good not question. Only, not only that, but you're contributing back into the fear pot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you you're afraid of like Glenn wasn't afraid to die. He welcomed it. 
Larry at this point is written off. He knows he's going to die. He's not afraid of it any longer. Mm -hmm. I will fear no evil. Ray is petrified, like terrified to die. You're Mm -hmm. adding fear back into the pot that Glenn and Larry have been taking out. Yeah. Yeah. So like I really maybe I missed something, but I to me like watch even watching this episode multiple times, I didn't feel like Ray. And again, we we've talked about how certain characters just kind of fell flat. Like we didn't get enough of Nick, we sure. didn't get enough of Trash Game Man. Mm-hmm. I feel like Ray. I, I this was just another character development that was they, completely they misplaced. They and yeah. they failed with her. Yeah, they failed with with her. Um, character in the in this because i and if you're missing it then i'm missing it too because i i don't know yeah either. i'm the same as i mean because even earlier when we were talking about the the ripples and like my first point is i was like you know in the things that glenn did and the things that larry did i had nothing to say about right like There's it was like to say about right no. <laughs> i mean the only the only thing i can think of in ray's contribution to this is it took larry convincing her to accept her fate and also repeat the lines, fear no evil, before the whole wrath of God thing happened. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. maybe it took the three of them accepting their fate before that could happen. But I'd have to rewatch the episode again to see if that's how it played out in the timeline. Yeah. Did the wrath of God stuff start before Ray accepted her death? If it did, then what I'm saying isn't true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like of it did because... I don't think she did until the water pretty much had already overtaken her. Yeah, and yeah. That's, Lightning think, was already going off then, at that point. It was already happening, right? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if if the wrath of God stuff happened after Ray accepts her fate, then yes, I can see it took all three of them doing that in order for the wrath of God to start. If wrath of God started before it, then Ray contributed nothing to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the that's actually one of the biggest negative takeaways I took from this episode. Yeah, yeah. because then what was the purpose of her being there? Exactly. She was basically a fill-in character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just did not give her the character development that she needed and she deserved. Yeah. Yeah. The only other thing is kind of the like almost like racial joke that was made in the last episode where she's like, oh, you need the the, the Indian woman to show you how to like find clean water. Yeah. So I mean, if that's really the only reason she was with them. <laughs> I know. And I was just thinking but, about that too. I'm like, it, you know, was that her only purpose was to help them survive along the way? You know, to to help get them there. You know, was it up to Larry and Glenn that once they're there, that that was what they were going to do was start sowing those seeds of doubt? Um, I don't know. And that was her role with Abigail was just a caretaker, really. So is that what her role was on the walk? Was she was also now I just need you there to be a caretaker and and protector for them? Maybe. I don't know. And I mean, I guess I guess that's okay if that's what it's if that was her purpose. But gosh to make her die for that you know <laughs> she's gonna be mm-hmm. you know one of them to die for that um, yeah i don't know because she wasn't ready that's for sure no no she wasn't and i and i think i don't i don't think without larry she would have ever been ready yeah you know if they were kept separate during the whole thing she would not have stood it she would have panicked and i mean she was she her fate was sealed either way yeah mm-hmm. But she would have never accepted it without Larry. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that was my number two. That was kind of one of the, one of, actually one of the only issues I had with, with this episode. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Well, my number two was also Nadine. 
Um, figures. <laughs> I feel like we're all just pretty much in tune and in sync tonight, mm-hmm. for sure. So why why break it? Um, but and I don't know what else I really have to say that we haven't already talked about. I think we we covered Nadine pretty well. But the one thing that I did like um, that they kind of changed a little bit here was that I liked um, that. Well, for one, she was finally able to to kind of see that you know flag did not really care for her and really only wanted her to be like this vessel or this incubator, you know, for his son. Um, and I mean, I think that thing was literally getting ready to do like a full on alien and burst through her stomach. That thing was not yeah. coming out like it's supposed to, it was going to burst through her stomach and she was going to die. Um, they didn't need rat woman there. That baby nah, was coming out yeah. the other way. No, it was going to make its <laughs> way out. And, and yep. I think she, she understood that she was going to die. That flag didn't really care for her. Um, that Larry had planted that doubt in her. And I liked that she was able in the end to control her narrative in this. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the part that I, I liked. I mean, when you think about that, like how tragic of a character Nadine really is in the end. Oh, totally. I mean, you look, she is somebody who's lived 30 plus years of her life, you know, with or maybe 20 plus years of her life, depending on whether you you take the 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 series or the book in when she realizes her her quote unquote purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, she lives her entire life by that purpose, expecting some outcome and in a moment's time realizes it's been a waste. Mm-hmm. Like the past 20, 30 years of my life have been a complete waste of time. Mm-hmm. I've wasted my life for a purpose that was not what I was promised. Like how tragic of a, of a life that is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for that you completely understand. And like you said, going out on her own narrative, why she took her own life. It's, it's tragic. Mm-hmm. It is. Which, um, okay. You saying that, and it just now clicked with me. Um, so we know that Flag picked Nadine from a very young age. We saw that, um, you know, several episodes ago when we got the backstory on Nadine. She was what, like 12, 13, or 14, something like tw- that. Like, in, yeah, in I that think she was like 12 years old in the series. So. He he's he's picked chose her at this age and then we know has groomed her throughout her entire life from such a young age and groomed her, which is sick and twisted. But mm-hmm. knowing that like how would Flag know that she would survive this pandemic? Does he know that it's going to come and that she's going to survive? Or how would she know or how would he know that picking her you know, that she would, you know, somehow survive to this adulthood to, you know, whenever it gets to this point for her to then be his, in quotes, queen. Um, I just I'm so threw that out there. Am I missing something? I'm, no, <laughs> I'm actually really, <laughs> I'm actually really glad you brought this up because I questioned the same exact thing. It made me realize if he's been grooming her for this long, mm-hmm. and I know one of the things that this series has led us to understand that even the book never did is that Flag was responsible for Captain Trips. It's never revealed in the book that Flag is responsible. It's more led to believe that it's just a, a that he a took advantage of the opportunity. Virus yeah. That he took advantage mm-hmm. of. But when you combine the fact that this series shows that he's the one that held the door open, he's mm-hmm. responsible for Captain Trips getting out there and this all happening. And he planned this 
this whole like he groomed Nadine since she was 12 years old to be his queen and basically just be the incubator for his child. It means he had to know back then like this plan has been in the works for many, many years. It's all finally coming about. And I'm sure he had an influence in keeping Nadine alive. So it makes me wonder, is Nadine the one he chose because he knew in the end, like he needed a pure person to birth his child, to birth his son. Mm -hmm. That's why he chose Nadine. Did he do that because he figured there would be no pure people in New Vegas with him in the end? Because otherwise, why couldn't he just knock up somebody else in New Vegas? Right, right. Why, Why Nadine? And that would lead me to believe that there's no other pure people in New Vegas with him. Everybody's a bunch of sluts. No. <laughs> well, I mean, there's flat out hedonism and sex yeah. happening on the floor. I say that with humor. Yeah. That is not slut shaming anyone, by the way. I'm just being silly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, so you know, it, we we mention you know how there's there's still there's possibly still good people in New Vegas. Mm-hmm. That might be true, but they're not pure souls. Right. Right. They still might have done something wrong in their lives. Because otherwise, he could have chosen anybody right. in New Vegas. He could have chosen Rat Woman to, <laughs> to be the, the child. He could have chose, he could have taken Julie for himself. Yeah. You know? So it just. I think Julie it, would have been okay with that. <laughs> well, I think Julie <laughs> she, would have welcomed it. She, yep. she, she seemed pretty okay with worship, doing a little flag worship. Julie would have gotten off on the birthing pains. Like, that's how Julie was. She's pretty messed up. Yeah. She's crazy. I love how crazy she is, but she's crazy. You want that mm-hmm. kind of crazy in your life, Ben? Think about no, that. No, no, no. Maybe for a short time. And then- she's, <laughs> Just for one night, maybe? She, she's crazy. I would take one night, but she's, but she's crazy from afar crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, she's the crazy you keep at a distance. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Okay. But yeah, well, I mean, it, it did. It made me question it. Like, okay, like, does that mean there are no pure people in New Vegas? Because he kept Nadine for that particular reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, here we go with number ones. Um, Pake. They're all probably the same. Probably the same. Like, <laughs> we, yeah. Do we even have to announce it? I don't know, but we'll, we'll see Stop how it Stop me if you've heard this one before. Um, no, uh, but what you got? <laughs> Let's see. I'm scared to be like, okay, I'm going to jump in this one. And both of you are going to be like, and yeah, here we go. It's okay. It's a good conversation. It's okay. My number one will be Randall Flagg and the end of New Vegas. Of course it is. (laughs) Why would you not talk about this as your number one? We have to talk about (laughs) Randall Flagg because come on. I mean, I would have been shocked if you said, Paik, if you said my number one. Is Kojak the Guardian? Yeah, Kojak, hey, which we almost, will Kojak talk about. A shout out. That was almost oh, yeah. in my top three. It yeah. just barely yeah. got eked yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, we will. So talk I have about notes. notes. Yeah, but yeah, but I'm thinking you know, with flag and stuff like what what we haven't already talked about. Um, so I just kind of go through my notes. You know, we talked about Lloyd saying that you know he fl- <laughs> you know he he flies and he ate a guy last week. Is <laughs> <laughs> a pretty good like reason as to why the fear with him is le- legit. Totally, I think it's good. And then I have uh, Alexander Skarsgård, white boy dancing to techno music. Not what I expected, but maybe what I needed. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll just say I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I think he's got some moves. Okay. I, I, I don't know about anybody else, but that particular scene with mm-hmm. him talking about everything and dancing to the music and everything, 
Is it just me, or did that hit a little too close to home with the past four years we have been living in this country? <laughs> we had we literally had a guy screaming to drain the swamp. And I'm sorry <laughs> if, if if you're political and you you voted for the guy. I, I apologize. But we had a guy who was screaming to drain the swamp because everybody else is evil, not him, mm-hmm. but and would always dance to his campaign music. Mm-hmm. Is that not what we just got with Randall Flagg in this episode? I, I will say. I wouldn't have even thought I, about that. But I like because I, I do try to like not. Stay political free. I, I try know. to stay somewhat political free. Sometimes I don't. I'm not very successful. Um, but I will say that, um, you know, and I think we've said it a lot, especially during the beginning, um, you know, when, um, you know, seeing the pandemic and Captain Trips and, you know, seeing people with masks and you know, people being sick and stuff, it was like, wow, that really kind of resonates. So I will say that yeah. there are many things in this episode that I felt resonated. That reflect real life. That reflect mm-hmm. our, our world, state of the world. And all, all right, we'll just leave it at that. We won't continue anymore with it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I apologize for bringing <laughs> no, it No, you don't have to make apologies. I just don't want to go any further. Is all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, his his dance moves. It was just so out of nowhere because, like you said, he gives this empowered speech about how you know burn them down and all this, and he's like, and now we're gonna drown these ones. Yeah, drown the the rats and burn the witch and bust a move, and he just starts going. (laughs) I mean, it was an interesting song too. Like this, you know, just like in in heaven or something like that. I don't. I'm not familiar with you know the the music. It was was like a dance. Like. Cascade or something? something. No, 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 no. It was. I listened to it. It's. It was a song that we know, but the lyrics were changed. The, the, um, it sounded, the rhythm sounded familiar, but I couldn't put my finger on it. It almost sounded, it almost, it felt like, do you believe in life after? Like, it was almost like yeah. that kind of feel, but like, not those words. It kind of yeah. sounded like, a little like Cher. Keep talking, because I'm going to play it while we're doing this, because I, I, I remember... It very much in particular, it was a song that we all know, but like the rhythm was a song that we knew, but the lyrics were changed and I should have wrote it down and I didn't. No, that's okay. Is, is it I, not share? I was. That's what I, yeah, I was. There's totally a little more techno. Getting those same vibes. I was like, no, those words. I remember listening to it and I was like, those words are wrong. Yeah. For, I had the same thought. Cause I was like, I should know this song, but that's not what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. But yeah, it was it was interesting. I, I wasn't sad to see a little bit of uh, you know, Alexander Skarsgård feeling himself. Yeah. He was he was having a moment and um mm-hmm. I thought he had some good moves. You know, there's some there's some guys that can't dance and I think uh-huh. um I think I should have a, a I hope there is a gif of that out there. Somewhere. Oh, there will be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Will somebody please send that to me? But yeah. <laughs> but I did notice there was a little another hint at the fact of his diminishing power that the show kind of like served up to you, but then didn't actually take you all the way there to where you had to kind of decide or figure it out on your own. Mm -hmm. But he's giving this whole speech about, you know, we're going to bomb mother Abigail and these people, you know, we're going to burn the witch and we do this. And he's talking all about this stuff. And then that's when Larry looks at Ray and goes, he thinks she's still alive. He doesn't realize she's dead. Mm -hmm. And Ray just kind of goes, well, what does that mean? And then it cuts back to him cutting a rug. And it was just kind of like, well, what does that mean? It's like, there you go. His power is diminishing again where he can't see Boulder anymore. He can't see the other things going on. He is losing the ability to be all powerful and all seeing and knowing as he has been. Right. Because even if he couldn't see what was happening in Boulder, he could still feel 
Mm-hmm. Like so he can't people, even feel her anymore. Right. He, he yeah. Could, well, and not and not only that, but he hasn't been able to for months. Yeah. Because Mother Abigail died before they even left New Boulder. Right. And it took them. And they've how been long on the road to walk. It, there. They've been on the road for like three mm-hmm. months. Yeah. So, and by the way, it's time after time by Cindy Lauper that they're singing to. That's they're what it was. That's yes. They're just changing the lyrics. Yes. The, the, I yeah, knew that, that melody was time not right. After time. That's what it was. It's a more upbeat yeah. time after right. time with different lyrics. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But yeah, uh, let's see what else. Of course, yeah, we get the, the I, I Will Fear No Evil, and it kind of starts a revolution. It does not a lot. It's very small, but... I think it's just enough. It's those last remaining kind of pillars that needed to be knocked down mm-hmm. is when even some of Flag's own followers, the guy that was at the in the courtroom or some other woman, we never actually see her, but she's like the first one to yell and Flag's like, who said that? Where is she? Fine, you know, and he's starting to lose his cool and people are, are breaking down and there's kind of this unison against him and then that's what really initiates this final sequence for him. Which I'll be honest, I actually had to look into it after I finished watching the episode the first time because I was very confused the first time. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, what is this lightning ball? This makes no sense. So then I had to go back and look into it. And now like looking at because now I remember I would totally forgotten the 94 miniseries having like the actual like, hand of God, like this ghostly like hand that was there. And so I was like, oh, that's so when going back and looking at it, it was like, oh, yeah, when the clouds descend upon the casino and the big building, it it's the like shape a of hand. a hand wrapping it, it, around. Yep. It does without yeah. looking overtly like a hand, which I'm yeah. glad. And then there's different little did. like I, figures and stuff that are in the lightning. I was like, yeah, because okay, I think I, when you see it over the hotel, it, <laughs> it, you can kind of see fingers in like a hand, but it's not yeah. like a hand. It, it's not yeah. super clear. And I like that better. I like that it's yeah. not quite as So it's almost kind of like a finger makes its way down the hole. Right. Um, <laughs> right. But, uh, but yeah, and then the lightning and stuff, kind of, which I was like, that's, that's much stronger than normal lightning because it's like ripping people in two. Like, oh, yeah. Pfft, just you, like laser beaming through people uh it was oh, quite flat out turns julie to ash yeah, yeah julie just Stabbed gets like obliterated half. rat woman gets ripped into like three pieces and thrown across the like fence mm-hmm. yeah there's some great it like, was quite gory in there it. guy on fire people getting trampled i loved uh lloyd getting final destination yep yep um, <laughs> Dude, has he never played a video game? Anytime something goes swinging by, like that, I know, you don't get up until it swings back. Back. It's got to swing back. <laughs> it's gonna come back. The pendulum effect. Like, you got enough, man. You duck. Mm. You duck and Lloyd didn't down. do. Lloyd didn't do too well in science in school. No. <laughs> if he even finished science, if he even yeah. finished yeah. school, right. Now the only the other part of that, which this is more of a theory. That I kind of like, because it seems like, and again, <laughs> drinking game, you know, haven't read the book, so we don't know. <laughs> but based off the 94 series, it was very much, you know, Trash Can Man was devoted to flag and flag only. Mm-hmm. But in here, we have Trash Can Man rolling his uh, bomb on his uh, bump to bump, you know, little machine <laughs> here. And he's, he's coming in. And, you know, at first he's like, my life for you, my life for you. And he's looking at flag. But then when the the clouds and the lightning and stuff descend, he looks straight up into that cloud full of lightning. Mm-hmm. For you is what he – and then he says, for you. And then that's kind of – when that moment happens and then when it's just flag and him left, everybody else is run or dead. 
and he's looking like up at the lights to say, my life for you. And, you know, and when he first rolls in, he's telling people, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. And it's kind of like, so it paints this picture. Like the theory that I've seen is like, is trash can man working for God this whole time? I was, I thought about that too. Cause as he's, you know, we get the overhead of him going down the road and then he, as he enters the casino and you know, he's going around the crowd of people trying to get people out of the way. And he's saying, I, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive me. I forgive you. And I'm like, I didn't get that yeah. at all. I, that, that's lost on me. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say right now, this whole conversation is also my number one. Yeah, so it, it is mine too. Gonna, so let's. Yeah, we're all on the same page yeah. today. We're just going to tap yeah. onto this. Go for it. Yeah. I, I looked at the scene a little bit differently. I do understand what you're saying, Paik. You know, if, if who was Trash Can really following? Yeah. Um, you know, when he said, My life for you. And like, I even thought about that too. Did Flag ever really tell him to take the bomb to the airport? Or did he just tell him, Bring me the fire? Because otherwise, why would he bring it to to Vegas if if he wasn't in fact a a a follower of God and not Randall Flagg? But this also made me realize too, like, okay, if God could bring in the hand of God and the wrath of God, why now? Like, why this particular moment? The only to thing, do the, it? the thing I could say about that is, and this this might ruffle feathers of like more like religious people or aspect of people, but I'm not trying to go into like the actual, like whatever people believe religion, this or that, but within the confines of this story, it seems that like this God or whatever God is in this situation, whatever Abigail and them view as God kind of like is not that all powerful. There almost is like this, this power balance between like what Randall flag is and what he like represents versus this lightning god figure and what he represents and it's almost like he had to wait or it had to wait for the moment that randall flag's power was diminished enough before he could step in and that's actually what what my point was going to be because when i said Mm -hmm. when i said you know why this moment i was actually asking rhetorically i wasn't Uh asking yeah yeah. (laughs) um, it kind of goes back to i think it was last episode or the episode before when we turned franny talking about how mother abigail and you know, Randall Flagg are playing a game and everybody else is just pieces. They're just chess pieces in this game. Mm -hmm. And I literally think that is actually the case. Like, this was a game that was being played step by step and Trash Can Man was the final move before Checkmate. Mm -hmm. Like, she, God or whatever force this was used Trash Can Man as their final game piece Mm -hmm. to win this game. I don't think... The, the wrath of God would have been, and I'm calling it wrath of God. That may not be what it is, yeah. but that's just what I'm calling it. It may not have been as powerful without that, without that warhead. Mm-hmm. That warhead needed to be in place. It was the final piece of the puzzle before it could do its yeah. part. So it could be very much just God or whatever it is being like, kind of an ultimate little like twist there being like oh no i'm gonna let you play and think you're winning and then i'm gonna use your own piece against you right there at the end he's like yeah i'll I'll let you bring the bomb here i'll let you get into this guy's head i'll let you convince him to bring you this and then i'll use it for my favorite it's when you turn the other person's queen against them and use it to win the game (laughs) 
<laughs> it's it's a weird comparison. I brought paint and I colored it differently. It's mine now. <laughs> it's a weird it's you know. a weird comparison to make, but it's kind of very similar to the end game of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> or not well no, not Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Uh-huh. Like only the person who wins is the one who's able to set up the pieces. Yeah. You know, kind of how, like, at the end of Bogus Journey, Bill and Ted are like, we set up the cage, or we set up the key, we set up the gun. Yeah. Like, they did that to make him believe he was going to win in the end, where they were the ones who placed the pieces there. I kind of think it's a similar situation, mm-hmm. where whoever this, whether whether it was Wrath of God or whoever this was, this power was... They were the ones that really put all the pieces in place. So, like, I made you believe this was your doing, but it was really mine. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So. so thanks for gathering all of your followers for me and yes. putting yourself in a situation where I can get you overconfident and then I'll wipe you out and we'll be good and done. Yeah, yep. exactly. <laughs> um, I do have one question for both of you, though, when it comes to this final scene. Uh, Randall flag the end question mark? Uh, yeah, I don't know, because the way he just kind of vanished, it feels like, so no. he'll be back next week and we'll see a little more. But then we I, pick up on Joe speaking for the second time ever that we've seen, mm-hmm. and very matter-of-factly like telling Franny, he's gone. The Dark Man is gone. See, I looked at it more as like, this was Randall Flagg. Like, we, we've we kind of already gotten the establishment that there are multiple worlds. I'm saying, yeah. I think it's Randall Flagg is no longer in he left. this world. He's exactly. not dead. He, he escaped he got out. this world. Because you could yep. see, I mean, we saw what those lightning bolts were doing to everyone else as they were, str- I mean, people were literally being split into, in, into half and turned into ash. Um, yeah. When the lightning bolt was re- repeatedly hitting flag, you know, it was hurting him, I think, and doing some damage. And it was showing you could see his true form was kind of, you know, showing itself. And it kind of shown itself one more time before he disappeared. And I think they made a point to show that, like, he didn't split into, he didn't turn into ash. He just, poof, he disappeared. Gone. He's gone. Yeah. He's not, Vanished. he's just not in this world anymore. He's over yeah. here in Dark Tower land somewhere, you know, waiting to jump on the next beam. He's so. he's like a wolf. He's licking his wounds yeah. Yeah. until the, Til the next, next opportunity. He's waiting for the until next the next one. opportunity. He's not. He's yeah. just not in this Did, world anymore. So so Joe's correct as far as he's gone. Yeah, as far as he knows from this world. But I he didn't say I he's dead. It's, the last, it's definitely he not just, the last of Randall Flag. If you are you know if you understand Stephen King works and stuff right. like he has plenty of other things he still has to do and will do in different stories and different worlds and different you know he's all, he's like another Pennywise. One, he's just yeah. off hibernating. Yeah, or speaking of Pennywise, this may be completely like unrelated and it was probably just a coincidence. But I noticed when he's getting zapped by the lightning and he starts kind of again reciting the lyrics to that like song he was singing to Lloyd whenever he I was got him in prison. Up, I'm glad you did. Yep. His first like two lines, he sounded exactly like his brother doing he Pennywise. Did. <laughs> yeah. Got a little scars guard brother yeah. rivalry thing happening there. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, for a second, I was like, is he about to just turn into a clown? Like, are we about to get this weird thing? Because he sounded just like Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise. Mm-hmm. Is that an homage to his brother? You and think? that's what I'm thinking. Like, it it might have be. been just a little like hint throwaway thing where he's like, to get Skarsgård to Skarsgård, and that could have been it. Yeah. It. That's not what I meant. But, uh, <laughs> Let's see what you did. Or... There. 
It's like it, that could have been it, or that could have been it. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's like what are they what are they hinting at or not hinting at? Maybe it was just a little homage. Yeah, or just a coincidence. I don't know. Yeah, well, and I think <laughs> there glad, was another parallel. Yeah. You know, because we've talked. I think Ben, you and I talked um, earlier in the series on an episode. You know, kind of talking about how it's hinted at in the Stephen King universe that. Pennywise and Randall Flagg are similar type beings, like maybe like cousins or something in the, mm-hmm. as far as what, mm-hmm. what they actually are. Cause no one really knows what the hell that they are, but that yeah. in, in that world, they're kind of somewhat related ish. And, um, we know, and for anyone who hasn't seen it or read the books, I'm sorry, this might be spoilers, but I'm going to talk about it. Um, you know, Pennywise also lives off of the fear you know, he lived off of the fear mm-hmm. of those kids and that's what fed him. That's what made him, you know, be stronger and stronger. And then when we saw when the kids were no longer afraid, you saw his power diminish and they were able to overpower him. So, again, we see that here in the sand with Randall Flagg, you know, just to draw a little bit of a parallel between him mm-hmm. and Pennywise and, you know, whatever creatures or beings, you know, that they are. They seem to feed off of this, um, off of people in, in a very similar way. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I thought of that. Um, yeah, as we were watching, I this is like kind of similarly, but also off topic too. Has anybody else ever heard the theory of the comparisons between Pennywise and Mary Poppins? Yes, <laughs> I'm guessing by your face, uh, Rima, you have I not. Have not. <laughs> I've heard many things. Uh, I've not heard that. There's a Reddit theory going around that both Mary Poppins and Pennywise are of the same species. Uh, because they both have power to kind of uh, lurk in children's minds, except one does it for good and one does it for evil. They both have the ability to tap into the imaginations of children. Wow. I will never look at Mary Poppins the same. <laughs> right? Yikes. So, but does that mean that Mary Poppins and Randall Flagg are related now, too? <laughs> Going all kinds well, of different rabbit holes. I, this- I don't know. This isn't a rabbit hole. This is a gopher hole, and we fell sure into did. it. Sure did. Sure <laughs> did. I well, I think that was great. Now I know that that was like all of our number ones was kind of like that ending there. <laughs> but you know, I know Peg that we started with you, Ben. Did you have or Peg? Did you have anything else you want to say about your number one? Or no, I wrapped up all of my notes. Okay, on Ben. Did you have more that you want to add to that? No, I think I pretty much got. Everything. Oh, there is actually one other thing I wanted to mention. We talked last week about the comparisons between The Stand and Lord of the Rings Mm -hmm. and Trash Can Man being The Stand's Gollum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that really happened this week. He literally looks like Gollum this week. (laughs) You know, I, I agree with that. But man, I tell you what, I don't know if you guys have seen Chernobyl, but Trash Can Man was giving me some serious Chernobyl flashbacks. Oh, it's they did a great (laughs) job. With him and and that see I like and that was one of the things when we talked last week about how we saw the radiation was off the mm-hmm. charts. Yeah, like I was like, well, maybe that's what's going to cause the bomb to go off. I didn't even think that it's going to physically change him by the time he gets to Vegas. Yeah, for some reason that just wasn't even in my mind, and I'm so glad that I saw that and I realized that I didn't think about that because it came across as a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I had wondered about that because I thought, oh, he's being seriously exposed to some high levels of radiation. And I don't know how long his trip was from that missile site to Vegas. Um, but I know like with, um, oh God, and I'm forgive me 
Um, but it's been, I haven't seen Chernobyl since it came out um, last year. Was it last year? Was it a freaking year ago? Um, but 2019 it was so, was Chernobyl, I think. Okay, so yeah. sort of. If, it feels, it feels like, like it. last year. It, it Yeah, I forget that we're now in 2021. <laughs> thank God. Um, but when it came out in 2019, so amazing. Such an amazing series. I encourage anyone, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's Amazing. Um, but I'm pretty sure those guys at Ground Zero, like when they got exposed, those guys that had that first contact high exposure, like those guys had just days and they were dead. Like those dudes were pretty much like trash can men. They were melting and their insides were like melting and just breaking down. So it, it, it felt pretty realistic. And I feel like, you know, he wasn't on like a high speed vehicle. He was just, you know, trudging along in his little utility cart. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm guessing it probably took him a good couple of days. And if that thing was as, as high as, is what it seemed to show in that Geiger counter, it makes total sense that he, mm-hmm. he's lucky he made it there, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know it's a different family, but it's kind of odd. We're talking about another series with a Skarsgård. <laughs> Cause Stellan Skarsgård is in Chernobyl. You know, you just can't keep those Skarsgård men down. <laughs> Because they're everywhere. Your dad's pretty hot too. I like Stellan Skarsgård. <laughs> Wait, I don't. I don't think is. I don't think Stellan Skarsgård is their father, is he? I think it's a different Skarsgård. Oh no, it's him. I. Be, what, yeah. Is it? Oh yeah, it is. Okay, is it? <laughs> um, <laughs> you're right, Alec, yeah. Alexander and Bill. That's right. Yeah, Stellan Skarsgård is. And Liam father. was in Westworld. Um, but, um, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Was he? <laughs> yeah, I love Stellan Skarsgård. He's he's yeah. he's pretty cool. Um, so so yeah, um, yeah, Trash Can Man. I, they they went all the way. Yeah, yeah, they did. I'm mm-hmm. I'm glad that they put that because the '94 series never did that either. With I mean they I mean they they kind of. Did they put him through the ringer in the '94? But man, the makeup job they did on uh, on Ezra was the makeup like, job was really good. Was top, but I do think that they, I do notch. think they tried to show some of that um, because I'm pretty sure that you know he 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 did look pretty ate up in the '94 version. It wasn't as good, but you know I feel yeah I feel the '94 version lacks in a lot of ways. You know, um, and I get it. It was 94. I know there was a lot of things we didn't have in 94 that we have today as far as makeup and effects. And and we're talking TV budget in 94 is not the TV budget that TV has today. Like TV can get pretty good budgets now for their shows and get really great production value. Whereas in 94, we didn't. So I get it. I get it was a whole different thing. But, you know, come on. Some of it was pretty bad. Although I did give shit about Nadine's makeup in the last episode. They could have done <laughs> I know. way better. Um, I feel like this episode, though, they I feel like they tried to, like, make it slightly less severe and did just make her. I think they did a little bit of a better job just trying to make her look really, like, gaunt and like her cheeks were sunken in. And her eyes just looked a little bit more hollowed out last week. I don't know what the hell they were trying to do. It just looked terrible. It looked like they just took a bunch She's of black trying makeup to look like Johnny cheeks. Lawrence. No. Yeah. <laughs> it was not good. It was and not skeleton good. outfit for Halloween. Yeah. yeah no. So I'll, I'll die on that hill. That was terrible. I could do a better job. Um, I was wondering where you were going with the Johnny Lawrence reference. Yeah. And now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, um, so yeah. It, 
I don't know that I have a whole lot to add either because I think we've talked it out pretty good. I do like that Flag got a good monologue. Um, and I, I really wish that they had more written in for him. I think he did a great job uh, with that monologue. And it's a shame that we didn't see that more. I think that it would have helped kind of push, um, you know, how Flag feeds all the propaganda to them instead of just in the signs. You know, when they were coming to New Vegas and they're seeing these signs and, you know, he's got a little kid propped up on his lap and he's trying to like, I'm the good guy here and I'm here for, you know, you guys and I care about the family and I care what happens to you guys when really we know that he doesn't. But it would have been good to see, I think, more of that. I wish they had given him, you know, more um, opportunities mm-hmm. to kind of speak to the crowd because he was just kind of like this, you know, unknown being up there in his penthouse looking down on everyone, you know, and I think it would have been nice. Yeah. And maybe he did. We just didn't see it. But so I just, I wish we yeah. had seen more of that because I think he does that's, a pretty good job at it. Yeah. That's one flaw I'll give this show as far as I, when I tell people, you know, I was talking to Jason from Deadcast stuff earlier today mm-hmm. and he was, you know, asking. So, you know, a lot of people are saying that it's gotten worse or better or whatever. It's like, what do you think? And it's just like, it's not going to go down in the history books as one of my favorite shows of all time. Sure. Like not at all, but I was like, but it's, it's enjoyable. But I said, but I think the main problem I'm having is they took so long in like the beginning half of trying to develop certain characters mm-hmm. that they overlooked others. And then once it kind of got to that midpoint where it starts getting linear and they're getting towards the finale of the story, then they've taken so much time on developing a handful of characters that now they're rushing everything and we're not getting any of the development that we need on some of the other characters and some of these bigger storylines and character plots. So it almost seems like, you know, as much as people would want to complain in the first half, like move it along, move it along. I don't want to see Harold for half the episode, every episode. Now it's like, okay, but now you need to slow down because you're throwing way too much at us with not enough context. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that was one thing that we talked about last week, too, that I really gave, you know, props to the director. Uh, You know, last week in The Walk, like, he really did. He slowed it down. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that pace kind of continued in this episode to wrap up the end of the story. Yeah. Um, You know, unfortunately, I think, you know, certain storylines and character development things just suffered from that never got to be touched on the way they probably should have. Yeah, but again, yeah. giving yourself only nine episodes is going to limit yourself already. Well, and, that, and that's something else we mentioned too that I feel like this show would have been better suited with ten episodes to tell the story, and then an eleventh as a coda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. Um, but even you know, mentioning the acting, and I can I can say it now. I mentioned Glenn in the beginning, and um, you know, Greg Kinnear's acting being one of the highlights of this episode for me. Alexander Skarsgård was the other one. He did a great job. I thought the 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 anger that or the like the even like the the weird raw passion that he had in that speech in that monologue i thought he was great and I, he's been a highlight of this series mm-hmm. for yeah. me so you know i i had a friendly debate with a friend earlier tonight who said like he'd like jamie sheridan better i'm like what are you watching <laughs> Alexander Skarsgård um, should play every version of Randall Flagg in every Stephen King adaptation. If there is, if they do any more, like that and they idea. have Randall Flagg, they should have Alexander Skarsgård. I think it would totally fit with you know the continuity, um, you know, of that character and how he kind of lives in all the different kind of universes and different worlds. Um, but I thought he did a great job. I mean, when he, I think he does such a good job of like this charm 
and menace and evil just under the surface. Like when he comes out of that penthouse, like he's been in there alone with Nadine's like smushed body. Like she just murdered herself and his child. And he comes out of that penthouse and just, just under the surface, like he is just brimming, you know, but he keeps it like you, you know, it's there, but he's able to like play it off. And um, I just, I think everything he did was was awesome. Well, even after like even after Nadine plunges to her mm-hmm. death, like the first thing he says after he screams is to Lloyd, Lloyd, cancel, cancel the, the nursery. nursery. Yeah. <laughs> like like you can't help that like even though you know how evil this man is, he's smoking a cigar and drinking milk while Nadine is screaming in pain. Mm-hmm. And after she dies and he just lost his son, the one thing he's been working on that probably this entire situation of Captain Trips and the pandemic and New Vegas and Boulder Free Zone was probably purposely just to give him a mm-hmm. son. Mm-hmm. That's all this was for. It was all the masterwork to give him a son. Yep. And he loses that son. He still has the line, cancel, cancel the nursery. The nursery. Mm-hmm. Like, he still gives you that little glimpse of charm that as bad as he is, you're still like, all right, I kind of like you yeah. still. <laughs> like, you know, it's it just a genius. He did. He did so well. He did. And I'm just waiting for the day that if if they continue with him as, as Randall Flagg, I, I just want the day when we get Alexander and Bill together in a Randall Flagg Pennywise buddy cop team up. Because <laughs> I would watch the shit out of that. Mm-hmm. It would be weird, but I would watch. You know, I'm really bummed because I know that one of Alexander Skarsgård's um, upcoming projects, is, um, and this is funny if you watch True Blood and know his name from, from that show, but it's called The Northman, and uh, it's and it's not Eric Northman. And it's not Eric Northman. That was his name in True Blood was Eric Northman because he was a Viking. Um, and that's where he came from. But it's called The Northman. So it, it does have a Viking history. And I'm really embarrassed because I cannot remember the name of the director. He's really up and coming. He did The Lighthouse. Was it The Lighthouse? Is that what it was called with um, Willem, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson? Uh-huh. Um, but he's really kind of making a big name for himself and really um, getting some great critical acclaim and i'm embarrassed that I've, his name escaped me i've been uh, drinking a little bit tonight so my memory's not so great robert robert eggers thank you so he's yes. um his brother was actually supposed to be in that too i don't think that they were like alexander didn't replace him i'm pretty sure they were supposed to be in it at the same time bill skarsgård um but i think that there was a conflicting schedule and he had to drop out and um so unfortunately we were going to get the skarsgård brothers in the one movie and due to scheduling hmm. um he had to drop so man they should have threw stellan in there too oh, God. we need all the vikings the whole family give me yeah. all the vikings please i would love that i would love nothing more um but yeah so be looking out for that i know i think that they're getting ready to start filming on that and nicole kidman's also going to be in that as well and nicole kidman and alexander skarsgård starred in um big little lies together so this would be an, another project that they'll there's there's on. a couple uh Decent cast members: Willem Dafoe, Nicole Kidman, Ethan mm-hmm. Hawke. Mm. Um, yeah, there's there's some good. I think cast it's going to be awesome. Old. I can't wait. I, I know that stuff's kind of weird right now. I'm trying to film things and get things done with the pandemic, but I think they're moving forward. Yeah. So, cool. it's actually it's actually saying it's in post. Is it in post already? So when I, I looked think, it up, I, think I didn't saw, I didn't yeah. see that it was in post yet. IMDb is listing it as post production. Uh, I hope IMDb is right. That's cool. 
<laughs> so mm-hmm. it might be done by now. Nice. <sighs> Please. Well, until then, we have um, Godzilla and Kong to see if you're yes. if you're needing some Alexander um, fixes like me. Um, mm-hmm. What about notes, Pate? Do you have some notes? Uh, let's see. I'll go through mine. Um, I did mention Joe kind of there at the end when he says something about Randall Flagg being gone. But again, like I really want to know more about that kid. I know. He's spoken twice and he's been shown to have like this understanding of like beyond the like natural plane almost. Yes, the shine. But now it's like, but yeah, kind of, <laughs> but like, but can you give, can they really give us more of Joe and who he is in a coda? Because like it doesn't matter in the story anymore necessarily who he what power and ability he has because the story's over right and so it just really makes me get excited for our like book club reading because I'm really hoping the book has a lot more Joe and I want to see what that is yeah well I mean and Joe's not even his real name yeah Joe was only the name that was given to him when he never right spoke. yeah we don't even mm-hmm. know what his real name is at this point it, it well I mean it's in the book it's in the book right yeah. we I don't know but not on this series yeah. yeah. As, As viewers, viewers who are, yeah, we don't know what Joe's actual name is. But I'm hoping, like, this, I, I'm kind of hoping we do see more of Joe in the coda mm-hmm. because we do know he is with Franny. Yeah. The, the, the coda is primarily about Franny from mm-hmm. what we're, we're led to understand. It's called Franny and the mm-hmm. Well. Yeah. Um, and we know that Joe is now speaking more than he ever has just in that end scene. Yep. Um, you know, so hopefully we do get a little bit more of Joe in uh Yeah. I'm just so in intrigued by like his ability and who he is and then it's like and to not really get any of it, but like only these little teases. And I was like, he he's powerful in some way and I want to know why. I want to know what it is. Yeah. He's intriguing. But, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and then like my other notes, I mean we you know, so we we talk about Kojak a little bit. Um and then I don't remember if you guys talked about this too much last week or picked up on it, but when when Glenn gives Stu the pills and is mm-hmm. basically telling him, kill yourself mm-hmm. with these if it gets too rough. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, we talked about that last week. Yeah. Um, and Stu almost goes through with it, but then I just have <laughs> – I get funny with my notes sometimes. I say, but good boy Kojak persuaded him otherwise by being a good, good boy. Yeah, he's the a good boy. The goodest of boys. <laughs> You're right. Like – and then I said, and good boy Kojak is also tough boy Kojak because he's fighting off a wolf to defend Stu. And that is beautiful too. <laughs> it was. Yeah. I know. Even though I was worried there for a minute. You can even tell like they, they had to amp up that drama a little bit where you just have Stu staring around that bin, like waiting to see which one of them walks out <laughs> around that corner after the fight. And that just would have been too much for me because, you yeah. know, look, I, I'll take a human death over an animal death any day. I know that that's. Yeah, whatever. I remember the first time I watched it, I was thinking, I was like, if that wolf walks around. That corner with like a bloody mouth or something. I'm turning it off. I'm just going to text y'all. I'm not. I'm not doing the episode with you. I can't can't talk about anything that happens after this point because I turned it off. (laughs) I quit. Um, (laughs) But yeah, and then we didn't really talk too much. But yeah, we get Tom Cullen again as he finds Kojak. Yeah. Then leads him to stew there at the end. So that's nice. Yeah. Uh, then let's see. I had a couple notes about Lloyd. Let's see what I didn't talk about. So again, I just didn't care for the portrayal that much throughout the whole series, mm-hmm. the comic relief. And then just saying, yeah, that like, it was nice to see him kind of go through that arc though, to a point. Um, even though we talked a little bit about Ray being unfortunately kind of useless in this episode. Thanks, and yeah. I, I hated that. 
I do say, I do say my heart was kind of breaking for her though at the beginning of this episode. So, cause she has a very sweet soul and she's talking about, you know, how she doesn't want to suffer and die in the hands of flag and his followers. And she's, she's just scared this whole time. And it was, it was kind of hard to watch. Cause I do like her character. I think she's awesome. Just, I wish they would have given her more of a purpose. I agree. I wish it was more clear here. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I think that's all the notes I had. Good notes. Ben, do you have some notes as too? So I'm um, yeah, Pake already brought up Kojak the Guardian, mm-hmm. as I call yes. him yes. in this episode. Good boy. <laughs> I feel kind I feel bad for Kojak because unless more are found, Kojak is the last dog alive. <sighs> I know. Which which is sad for Kojak, but is sad for people sad because people. dogs are awesome. I mean, <laughs> if it's been one thing that it's a big been a big story throughout the pandemic is how, which was a wonderful thing I think that came out of the pandemic was how shelters became empty because people were adopting dogs, you know, during the yeah. pandemic because people were lonely and and staying home and needed that companionship, and that just lit up my heart to hear that that mm-hmm. there were empty dog shelters um, because I'm a huge advocate for you know adopting dogs and rescuing dogs and um, donating to dog shelters and and helping those dogs um, find good homes and that just warms my heart. Um, so yeah. Um, Talk about a lonely time that there's, you know, such a low population of people and people have lost their families and lost their friends. And even though they're, you know, they have formed a community here in New Boulder, um, New, not New Boulder, but Boulder, um, you know, it's still good to have pets around, right, as companions and, you know, to get, you know, I mean, dogs are just good to have all around. Um, but, yeah, I hope they find some more dogs to get the dog you know, population back up like they're, you know, they need to do with the people population. So yeah, poor Kojak. I know. It's, it's, it's he needs sad a companion Kojak too. Might, Kojak might be the last dog. And he alive, lost which... Glenn. Can we talk about that? I mean, how, <laughs> I mean, you know, he, he, he lost, he lost his companion. Yeah. You know, I think we need another spinoff. Kojak, last dog alive. <laughs> and it's just out there looking, looking for other dog. Companions. Maybe that's what the coda will be. And, and Kojak <laughs> and Kojak can be voiced by Greg Kinnear. <gasps> yes, <laughs> right. Yes, that's amazing. Didn't he do a, a dog movie where he was the voice of a dog? Why? Why is that? Why is that resonating? I don't know, but if he didn't, he should. <laughs> I need to look that up. I feel like he did some kind of a dog movie or something, or maybe he was a. I don't know. I, I could just be making that up too. Sometimes I make shit up in my head that sounds <laughs> sounds right. I'll have to look it up later. You're like I want this to happen, so I'm going to assume it did. I, I sometimes <laughs> do. I sometimes just existence. like I, I do. Sometimes <laughs> just kind of will it into existence, and I I, I will state yeah. it as fact. Like you know that movie that Greg Kinnear did where he did the voice, and people were just like, "No, you idiot! I don't know what uh, you're talking about." <laughs> yeah, like you just totally made that up. <laughs> yeah, I probably did. Um, but yeah, I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I totally just jumped in on your notes. What else did you have? It's fine. I really, I only had, we've covered a lot of what I yeah. had in my notes. The only one I have um, last is something that maybe I'm reading too far into, which again, when it comes to Stephen King, <sighs> that's a little, it's impossible to do that sometimes. Yeah. At the very end, after New Vegas has gone kaboom, um, and you know we see the explosion hit up, when we're, when we're in that scene with Franny and Joe, and Franny looks up at the sky and they look up at the sky and everybody's looking up at the sky and we see that pinkish hue mm-hmm. in the sky. There are three towers 
of <gasps> what looked like either smoke or something rising. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of off center where there could be a fourth one, but there's nothing there. Is that the three messengers minus Stu ascending? Hmm. Damn, Ben, you're getting deep. That's what I mean. Like, is this is this something I'm just reading too far into? Or because I, to me, like, why not just have the pinkish hue? Why do you have these three towers ascending into it? Like, it's got to mm-hmm. mean something, doesn't it? I, I mean, I I can't, like, throw that out and, and say yeah. that it doesn't make sense. It would make sense that they would... Because, yeah, they kind of served their... Per- I mean, we still don't know race purpose, but, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. but they went there to kind of, <laughs> you know, in a sacrificial kind of way and served the purpose and, and what you know, through Mother Abigail, God told them to do. I mean, she was kind of that, the messenger, right? And 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 gave that message and said that this is what they had to do and that's what they went and did. And that it would show that through that sacrifice there at the end, you know, and through that, that it that could be their beings, their souls. and It's it's their ascension. Yeah, I mean, in, it's, in, you know, into it's, heaven, if you will. And I feel like there's almost a I, I feel like there's almost a part of Franny that knows that when she sees it too, because immediately after she looks up, her first instinct is to ask Joe, is where Stu? Mm-hmm. Like where is Stu? Mm-hmm. You know, because four people. She go, doesn't know three, that Stu was left behind and broke his leg and that he she, Yeah. She doesn't know that, yeah. yeah. She doesn't know because even when she even when Mother A told them one shall fall, nobody knew what that meant at the time. Right. One mm-hmm. shall fall would mean like one of you is going to die before you even make it to New Vegas, mm-hmm. which was almost the case with Stu. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm just looking at this these three plumes that are rising and I'm thinking there's a deeper meaning behind that because otherwise, why not just change the color of the sky and be done with it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good thought. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, and I remember looking at that going, well, that's interesting. Why did. You know, they go for that. It, it, that didn't click with me until you said that, that that could be a, a possibility. I was just like, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's just the, um, you know, nuclear, like the residual effects of the nuclear blast <laughs> and, and the lights. And, and that's you absolutely know, what it um, could be. It could <laughs> be. But, you know, I feel like you can't ever, and if we've learned anything when we cover anything Stephen King, is that, you know, you can't really not look too hard at something. So I'm not discounting yeah. that. That's just what came to my brain. But I like that. I like that, yeah. what you just said. And, <laughs> and then the only other thing I have, too, other than that, is when I was looking for the music that Randall was dancing to and I was listening to the rhythm, I also checked... What we were talking about earlier is whether or not the wrath begins before or after Ray accepts her mm-hmm. fate. It begins before Ray accepts her fate. Okay. It's not so. until the whole casino is into turmoil that Larry tells her it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay and comforts her. Mm-hmm. So with that said, again, what was Ray's purpose in all of this then? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's just the question that I have. But that's everything on my end. I like it. All right. Um, I think that you guys pretty much covered most of my notes. The only thing that I wanted to kind of call out, and this is probably me again looking too hard into something, um, but Harold called Flag the walking dude himself, which sounded like a Walking Dead reference. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that it was, but I'm like, 
why would he say walking dude? And I even had like the closed captioning on just so I could hear it myself. He, the walking dude himself. He, maybe maybe they just showed Lebowski in prison a lot. Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. You know? He is the, the actual dude. I'm the dude. dude, man. He is the dude. Um, but yeah, interesting <laughs> choice of words, I thought. I was like, yeah. Okay. Um, but other than that, I think that covers all my notes. We've already talked about all my notes. I think that wraps it pretty well. That was pretty cool. Pretty good, guys. Yeah. Pretty so. good. I'm not mad about that at all. Um, <laughs> and I don't have any news, Ben. Did you have any news items or anything this week that you want to talk about? I know we've talked a little bit about what you can expect next from Alexander Skarsgård. I feel like that's probably all the news that we need. But if you have something... Not- <laughs> Not really. There's a couple interviews out there with Brad William Hinkey again and Owen Teague talking about their characters. Um, Apparently, Owen Teague's death scene was a three-day shoot. Oh, wow. That they they did out there. Um, And he was actually pretty pleased with it. Um, He did The other piece of news... The other piece of news that we have is that uh, CBS has, in fact, uh, released a version of Baby Can You Dig Your Man. Yes, indeed. Uh, it is a full track. If you want to hear it, it is. Uh, there's a link on the Facebook page, the Stranger Deeds pa- Facebook page, for a Spotify playlist I put together of all of the music from the series. Baby, can you dig your man? Is in that playlist, and Rima, I don't know. Maybe you can put a link to that in the show notes. I can do that too this week. So if you want to hear it, it's out there. You just got to find it. I know it's on YouTube. It's on Spotify. It's on Amazon. It's it's out there. And it's enjoyable. It's a great, mm-hmm. it's a great um, I, song. Yeah, I like it way better than the version that that Lloyd sang at Larry in the, <laughs> yes. in the courtroom. <laughs> yes. yeah, not sure yeah. what that, he was doing there, but yes. Mm-hmm. And I just I know, like he was like trying work. to turn him into the Beach Boys. <laughs> I don't know. What that was. <laughs> don't know. Is it? And I just like at one point too that like Lloyd actually says to Larry, like I I I always liked your music. Right. Yeah. yeah. Real nice guy. But, um, yeah. yeah, thanks for mentioning that, Ben, because um, I know not everyone um, who listens follows our social media. So I'll, um, you know, I can pin that to the top and then put in um, put the uh, playlist in the show notes as well. So folks can just click that if they want to listen. Um, in, in case you missed it, because um, I think we talked about it last week, Ben has put together a playlist of all of the music that we've heard so far from the stand and he's just a- adding to it as we continue in the, in the show. So he's added this one as well and we'll continue to add, um, cause we still have the coda to cover too. And it's more than you think too. In, in eight episodes, they've given us 37 songs for wow. a soundtrack. So it's, it's more music than you think it is. And there's some good music in yeah, there too. Yeah, some really oh, good yeah. music. There really is. I've listened to the playlist a number of times already. Well, thank you for putting that together. It's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Any other items you want to talk about? Just the feedback. All right. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts is hearing what our <laughs> listeners um, have to say, because we get some really good stuff from our listeners. Um, so let's see what they have to say this week. Pake, do you want to take that first one, please? All right. Laura Willie Swink says, This was, in my opinion, the best episode set in New Vegas. I'm glad that Larry, Ray, and Glenn weren't just sent there to become senseless martyrs, but their presence actually began to sow the seeds of doubt with the residents of New Vegas and Randall Flagg, diminishing his power. Glenn and Larry's stand against Flagg were inspiring, but I do wish Ray had more to do. Nadine's head, or what was left of it, was some Greg Nicotero-level awesome. I have a feeling that Trashy might have been a double agent for the side of good. His mission was to bring the warhead to the airport, not the hotel. 
And as the hand of God descended through the skylight, he looked up at it and said, my life for you. Also, that last scene with everyone running from the hotel reminded me of Carrie at the prom. Good boy. I'm assuming she meant to type Kojak and it was autocorrected. So, <laughs> oh, it looks like maybe. Yep. To, to Konami? Um, <laughs> you play, to, talk a lot about video games. Um, I was going to say, Laura might just be a fan of video could games. Just be, it's, yeah, yeah, video it's gaming. <laughs> Yeah. But so good good boy Kojak or Konami. Good boy. <laughs> <laughs> boy, autocorrect can bite you in the ass sometimes. We get what you were saying, yeah. Laura. It sounds like Laura had a lot um to agree with uh, some of the things that we said. You know, she kind of yeah. agreed that, that Ray had a little bit of a diminishing role. Um I agree the gruesomeness in this episode with the people getting zapped by the lightning bolts and being split up um was cool. And yeah, the the gore with Nadine that was that was, um, I mean, it was sad, but it was pretty gruesome and cool effects. And yeah, like, she seems like she was kind of on that same page there about Trash Can Man. Like, who was he really serving in in that? It's a fun thing to kind of analyze and see where you stand on yeah. it. Mm-hmm. It's one of those open-ended things that it could go either way. It's just a matter of how you look at the situation. Yeah, interpretation. Mm-hmm. The ne- the coda is going to open up with God in like an office style cold open, being like, "Yeah, trash came in was working for me the whole time." <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, our next piece of feedback comes from Lindsay Schlicht. First, I have to I have to leave feedback uh, on last week's feedback. <laughs> Weird, I know. Uh, I've been a big fan of Archmaster Rennie since the days of Game of Thrones coverage, and last week's feedback reminded me why. The scenes of the group walking made me feel so giddy, and I wasn't sure why. As an enormous Lord of the Rings dork, when Rennie pointed out the similarities in the camera work, all I could say was, oh my god, yes, that's why. Well done, Rennie. This is why you are our Archmaster. I agree with that, because I got just as giddy when I heard her say that last Mm -hmm. week. Uh, I'm not sure I loved this episode, to be honest. I feel like such an incredible amount of time was wasted on screaming crowds and the people riling riling them up that there was very little actual story. The conclusion was also very confusing. Glenn, Larry, and Ray went to Vegas to make their stand, but essentially did nothing. I guess their torture and deaths were what begun to... Uh, begun the breakdown of Vegas by making a few people question flag. Seems kind of weak. We saw, heard two or three people questioning things. The lightning fog coming in to finish everyone off was fun to watch, but ultimately another confusing addition to the story. Was that supposed to be the wrath of God or something? This one was pretty weak for me. Hopefully you guys will be able to make me enjoy it more. You usually do. Well, that's good to know. Uh, One thing I really enjoyed... Glenn in the courtroom. I love Greg Kinnear as much as you guys, uh, as much as you guys. So this scene was my favorite of the episode. When he started talking about Game of Thrones, I almost lost my mind. Uh, Radiated trash can man also very much reminded me of a golem. Uh, loved how much Lord of the Rings I see in this series now. Hoping the coda will up my satisfaction of the close uh, of the close of the series. I very much enjoyed. Can't wait to hear your coverage. Uh, thanks, Lindsay, and I. Do we love Greg Kinnear? Really? I mean, I he's know. okay. Yeah. We could have talked about him he's more. He's all right. We really could yeah. have. We did, we, we've right. done him a disservice. Yeah. And um, not talked but, about him nearly enough. Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, as far as the point of, like, what what was the point of, you know, Glenn, Larry, and Ray uh, essentially doing nothing, I, I hope we kind of changed your mind on that. Mm-hmm. Maybe not with Ray. 
so much. Yeah. No, uh, probably not. But definitely with Larry and Glenn. I feel like hopefully we yeah. changed your mind with that. I hope so. I think not necessarily just the two or three random people that were there, but I think it was Nadine and Lloyd being very – the people who were closest to Flag Some being the ones people. that they really were able to yeah. break down was what was important. Yeah. Yeah, you have to let us know um, if we helped a little bit there, Lindsay. But thank you for the kind words since we you said we normally do. So that's always nice to hear. That's lovely. Um, thanks for your feedback. Um, next one that we have is from our good friend Doug Fick. He says, so it was the finale but wasn't. Thank God because I was like, huh, when it ended. Right off the bat, the biggest badass of the show is Kojak. And the Tom Cullen Kojak spinoff uh, could still be a thing. Another spinoff. <laughs> yeah. I kept thinking when watching the casino scenes uh, was it looked like it was filmed in an old embassy suites. <laughs> Reminded me of the free happy hours they had back in the day. Talk about debauchery. Two hours of free drinks every night. All the memories. But I digress. Ratwoman is quite the diverse gal. She's the entertainment director and also a midwife, I guess. I kind of liked her in a way. Some confusing plot points. So Mother A said that one of the crew were not going to make it to Vegas or in general because at last count they all died except for Stu. I like the dichotomy of Stu and Harold's positions both with broken legs and not able to finish a journey with both about to end it alone in the wilderness but clearly all you need is good dog at your side and you can overcome anything. Hey, hell yeah you do. Um, I was sure everyone was like they killed Nick, Glenn, Nadine and now the dog. Oh hell no. Kojak dies. We riot. Now, Flag knew all about the spies and the gang sent over to Vegas, but he did not know Mother A was dead. And clearly the Inferno Casino was built on the cheap because the windows are easily shattered and certainly not up to code. You wouldn't see that shoddy material in Caesar's Palace. I'm not a Stephen King devotee, but it seems there is a theme to his villains that you take away um, their powers if you stop believing that they have power over you. They lose it, like in It. I guess sowing the seeds of doubt in the followers is a stand our heroes took. I was expecting something a little more hands-on, but the destruction by God or Mother A perhaps was cool. I thought the followers were going to be trapped inside the casino, a la Carrie, but thanks to the shoddy glass again, they got out. <laughs> I also thought when the big halo light uh, swung down, Lloyd was going to get it like Betty Buckley got it and Carrie as well. Neat symbolism. I did like they gave all the badass quick and undramatic deaths as they are not worth prolonged exits. Still many questions to be answered, and hopefully the coda answers some. One question has been answered, though. Game of Thrones exists in this universe. <laughs> Looking forward to hearing the discussion. Stay warm out there. Yes, that's true. The Game of Thrones exists in this particular universe of the stand. Yeah. And it, yeah, the Captain Trips happened after the finale hit all. Right. So we know kind of where we are in the timeline a little bit. We know that happened. <laughs> and it wasn't shoddy construction. It was just a really powerful stone. That rock was rough. Yeah. Right. And that one guy's face. It's um, the kind of stone you want in your hand if you're ever in a car submerged in water. Right. Yeah. You can shatter the shatter window the glass. and get out. Yeah. I have a knife for that. <laughs> I do, too. I have one of those little picks that kind of shoots out and shatters yep. it. I have the seatbelt cutter and the, the pick that shatters the yep. glass. Me, too. I need one of those. It's an yes, essential. You do, because that's <laughs> not how I want to go down. That's like one of my biggest fears no. is drowning, um, <laughs> being submerged. Anyway, yeah. um, we also have some email um, this week as well. Um, Pake, you want to take that one? All right. The first email comes from Jenny. says, hey, guys. So I spent the first few episodes not sure how I felt about the show. I loved some things, especially the casting, but I didn't like others. Too much time on Harold to the detriment of other characters. 
Then I just decided to embrace it for what it was and not expect it to be like the book or the 94 show, because obviously this is someone else's telling or interpretation of the story. And like you guys said, if Stephen King likes it, who am I to disagree? Once I did that, I enjoyed the ride. This episode was great. I hated that Larry, Ray, and Glenn had to die, but we knew that that would happen. I've always wondered why they were sent to Vegas just to die, but this show made it pretty clear to me, and it was great, and it was to create doubt among Flag's people to take some of his power, and probably to get everyone, including Flag, in the same place for the endgame. I'm just so glad that they didn't do the hand of God. <laughs> At least not as bad as they did in 94. Right. Okay. They, they, they yeah. did the hand of God. They you did it. Just much it. it was a lot more subtle. Yeah. She goes on to say, finally, Stu will just be fine. Or, finally, Stu will be just fine because he has Kojak and Tom Cullen to save him. We should all be so lucky. Thanks for covering this show. I've enjoyed the ride. I know there is one more episode, the coda or epilogue, and I'm looking forward to it. And then she makes a correction to something she said above. She says, I know there was a hand of God in this episode and it looked pretty cool, but I'm just glad they didn't repeat the incredibly cheesy hand of God from the 94 miniseries. Man, that was awful. <laughs> yeah. <okay. laughs> More proof positive that we do not read this feedback in advance. Yes. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, the next email comes from Emily. All the other totally whack shit in this episode aside, it's a great start to a feedback. I'm already loving it. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, all the other totally whack shit in this episode aside, I must mention that Glenn misquotes Julius Caesar in the court scene right before his death. He says, the fault, dear Brutus, is in our stars, not in ourselves. Uh, in Caesar, Cassius said this line to Brutus to convince him to get on board with his assassination plot against Caesar. Uh, we can change our destiny and all that. Glenn uses this quote to mean the same thing, but the way he says it is the exact opposite, question mark. Uh, I haven't read the book or watched the 94 series, so I genuinely hope I'm missing something in why this change was made. Uh, anyway, I've been listening to y'all on and off based on whether I'm watching the same thing as you since Castle Rock really enjoyed the show. Um, it was a great way to start a feedback, but then you blew it by putting Glenn down. I just got <laughs> <laughs> no i'm just well, kidding i i miss that so i don't know what the exact yeah i mean I, re I remember him saying the the quote but i didn't realize i didn't was, realize it was correct yeah gosh it's yeah. you know it's been a long time since i've read caesar but it looks like I, I i did pull it up and the quote is men at some time are masters of their fates the fault dear brutus is not in our stars but in ourselves that we are underlings and i think basically it means um in a nutshell that that people are in charge of their own destiny that you can succumb to someone else's rule or you can make your own choices. Um, so, you know, I, I, whether he was misquoting, I think that the, the intent was there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was, I, I didn't, again, I, I, I don't remember. I'm not familiar mm -hmm. with the quote to know that he said it incorrectly. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I'm not either. I just, I, I quickly looked that up. Um, I appreciate her bringing it to our attention, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's weird because in my research, I actually do find there is a website out there that gives you a transcript of the, of the, uh, of the series. Does uh, it? Of, ev cool. of yeah. every episode. And I've actually used it um, in the past to uh, determine what certain people have been singing and, and saying. So mm -hmm. I'm actually on the website now to see if I can find that particular quote. And I mean, you can continue on <laughs> to, to, while I'm looking for it with the, with the feedback. Well, and you know, um, I, I feel like I'm just, 
get on oh, the with it. Emily just a little bit because um, she does have her um, subject line as an English teacher must nitpick. Oh, I'm oh I'm not denying she's right at all. Do you still have the <laughs> quote up? I still have the end? quote up. And because it is she she is correct, and he says in the show, the fault, dear Brutus, is in our stars, not in ourselves. Oh. And what's what's the actual quote? The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves. Oh yeah, it's he says the opposite. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know if that was done purposely or it's just a misquote. They just misquoted, maybe. Yeah. Well, that's a good, good pickup. That's a good pickup. Yeah. Yeah. Glenn seems like the kind of guy that wouldn't. I know. Misquote I, yeah. Come on. I, know. <laughs> I feel like if he did that, he had to be um, doing it on purpose or something yeah. because I feel like Glenn would know what he's talking yeah, about, know. and it. And I feel like if Glenn should know what he's talking about, it might have been a fault with the writers. Maybe. I, I feel like I have to apologize to Emily now. Like she didn't put down Glenn. Glenn put himself down. I, I take that back. <laughs> All right. Um, thanks, Emily, for that. Yeah, thanks, Emily. Um, that's great attention to detail, which we love here. Because um, yeah. I, I certainly didn't pick up on that. Um, next email we have is from our good friend Des. He says, where to start? I've loved the whole series, but haven't really felt connected to any of the characters. This changed with episode seven and tore me the hell up in episode eight. I've read and watched every um, iteration of this story. So little of the series really surprised me. The courtroom scene killed me. I knew how it was going to end, but damn you, Kinnear, you got me. Yeah, me too, ma'am. Kojak and Stu, another moment I knew exactly what to expect. Steel, old man tears. I just really wish they could have written the first half of the series to make me care about these people. I hate to be negative, but the character development just wasn't there. The destruction of the casino was so much better than 94's cheesy Hand of God finale. Love seeing each of the villain, villains getting fried and dusted. Can't wait for the finale next week. We're right there with you, Des, on the character development mm-hmm. stuff. We've, we've been lacking. saying that the past couple of weeks. It's been lacking, yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I, I really wish they had taken a little bit more time. And I think many people pointed out and I agree that a lot of Harold, you know, development at, you know, the detriment to others. So, yeah. Yep. I do have to say though, like as much as it became the Harold show for a little while, O and T, I mean, we took, we said, O and T crushed it. O and T killed this role. Yeah, sure did. Seriously. It was so good. Last episode. It's fantastic. Yeah. He was great. All right, this next one comes from Autumn. Good to hear from her again. Mm -hmm. She says, I have to say one thing that I've wanted to say since the episode aired. Sorry to go back, but in episode two when Larry's in the sewers, and of course we all thought back to it, if you read the book, turtles are a huge part of the story throughout. In the most recent movie, there are Easter eggs like the little turtle in Georgie's room. But did anyone else think of when Larry tells Rita to pretend like they're Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I thought that was a nice nod. Nice. I missed that too. Yeah. (laughs) I know you and I can be jealous of the love scene with Alexander Skarsgård, and I was not happy who uh, who had the pleasure of sharing it with him. But in the end, I was the one who got the happy ending. Wait a minute, Autumn, you and I, like her and I, like I could share that love of Alexander Skarsgård? Or is she referring to you, Rima? I, I think she might be I talking think, to I think Rima. It's okay, yeah, Ben. I if, but if I mean... Have, I, if, I, I think everyone should have a crush on Alexander Skarsgård. I mean, I'm not going to say I didn't appreciate some Alexander Skarsgård. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Hey, Uh, (laughs) she goes on to say, how did they get that pool so clean? That is no vinyl liner. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) 
I love how Trash Can Man showed the effects of radiation poisoning. If you watched Chernobyl, you saw that this is not only accurate, but played down depending on how long that journey was. This may sound nuts because, yes, I thought it was at the beginning for sure, but this episode I felt it was extremely timely, and if you're religious, it is frightening. I love that I Will Fear No Evil is what brought this party to an end and broke Lloyd. This shows how there were people who were caught in a bad situation. I'm glad that they spared no expense at the gruesome level. Remember, there is no place you can you can go that God cannot find you. Poor Lloyd and his final destination ending. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested in seeing how Randall Flagg is depicted at the very end compared to the book. And I'm glad that Larry and Ray did not actually drown, hopefully, and they never knew what happened. Bless Tom. Bless it. <laughs> Love the show. Hope this was not too long. No, not too no, long at all. It was great. It's perfect. Yeah, not at all. And more great feedback from <laughs> Autumn, too. Yeah, yeah. it was great. Uh, our final email. Yes, final email, because then we go into, we have some voicemails after that. Uh, but our final email comes from our friend Greg, uh, Ben, Rima, and Paik. I know I normally call in, but there's too much in this episode to get out succinctly. I wanted to like this episode. I really did. I did like parts of it, but I can't think of this as a satisfying ending. Not even as a book reader or a fan of the 94 version, uh, but as a person who loves to be told stories. I enjoyed a few things, or at least a few characters in interactions. This is going to be a fun email from Greg. I already know it. <laughs> Uh, Greg fucking Kinnear killed it. Uh, he was fantastic as a pragmatist who gained a little hope even to the point of forgiving his murderer. Sad to see him go. The chemistry between Ratwoman and Lloyd was entertaining. It was like watching Pain and Agony or whatever Hades pets were called in Hercules. <laughs> pain, yeah, Pain and Panic, I think it was. Uh, the back and forth was entertaining, but Lloyd himself, and I blame the writing or the acting, was just too weak. He wasn't a presence to be felt. He was a weak little boy who was finally shown some kindness, sort of. And any time he was in front of an audience, he just faltered. He could have used... Uh, he could have used way better arguments to try to convince them to change signs, but he could only come up with insults. There was no actual logic to his argument, and that took me out of it. If he had made a rational argument, I could have gotten behind it, but he gave me nothing. Uh, Joven Adepo as Larry, on the other hand, was amazing. All of his scenes were great, and I look forward to seeing him in future endeavors. Very disappointed and flagged this entire episode. Uh-oh. Uh, from his shakiness during the trial to his indifference during Nadine's labor to his lack of actual response when she broke the bulletproof glass with a stone uh, to his delivery of the final speech to his denouncement of Lloyd, I just wasn't impressed. Maybe the writing, but I feel that the delivery could have been much more emphatic and sincere. Maybe as... Maybe as... Yes. Oh, maybe as... Oh, A.S., yeah. got it. I'm like, what, did, what is that? Maybe Alexander Skarsgård had laryngitis, but he didn't really deliver that speech with the same quality I'm used to. Disappointing. One thing I really wanted to talk about was, is, is Trash Can Man the real hero of the story? My life for you, as in I'm willing to give up my life to get rid of you. Because I never got that from the book or the miniseries, but I definitely felt that's what Ezra Miller was trying to portray in this. And that, baby, makes me dig that man. <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, didn't want to get into it, but are we to believe that God came down and smote the sinners? In that case, why bother with the whole charade? Was it because they started to fear no evil, or was it the Crimson King? 
disappointed in his disciple, burning it all down because his protege had failed him. That's an interesting take. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but that plot point seemed weak as well. And here comes Tom to save the day in the tune of Mighty Mouth. <laughs> I should have sang it. Uh, not sure how he's going to get Stu up that crevice, but I can only imagine the pain of dragging a guy back from Mount Doom. <laughs> sure, he sure could he sure could use a couple of giant eagles. I look forward to the last episode, but this one just didn't strike home for me. Uh, quotables, waste not, whatnot. Give me a sign like a wink or a cacao. <laughs> uh, Mother of dragons, queen of the Andals. Uh, and my favorite, he can fly and he fucking ate a dude last week. Uh, looking forward to hearing <laughs> y'all's take and sorry this was so long. That's an like interesting t- That's an interesting take that it was the Crimson King that did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not God. Yeah. That's interesting. It is interesting. Didn't think mm-hmm. of it that way. But thanks, Greg. That was entirely too long, but we still appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Never missing an opportunity to bust Greg's balls. So. Of course not. <laughs> yeah, that was great, Greg. Thank you so much. Um Gosh, our listeners never fail to disappoint. Um, always get some great feedback. Um, okay, so that leaves us then with voicemails. So we have a couple here. The first one that we have is from the one and only Archmaster Rennie. Hi, Rima and Ben. In the last podcast, you talked about how the series could have benefited from being maybe just a little bit longer. And I completely agree with that. I think maybe a 12 episode series might have been perfect because then some things that are missing could have been included. And I just wanted to mention one thing that I was really missing in this episode. Um, And that is Franny's fear that her baby will not inherit her immunity. I really can't remember how much of a big deal that was in the 94 series, but it's a really big deal in the book. Franny is very concerned that the baby will not inherit her immunity, especially since the baby's father, she presumes, died um, and was not immune. And she she thinks about that a lot. And I think maybe one of the reasons why I'm missing that particular aspect from this series a lot is that right now in the real world, I'm thinking a lot about immunity, as are we all. That's it. Thanks. I'm really looking forward to next week's CODA. Really curious about what Stephen King has added on to the story. Bye. I I think I think at one point Franny does mention the immunity for the baby, but I, I but Rennie's right. I don't think they put as much of a focus it, on it. as I think it was have. a passing mm-hmm. mention yeah. at most um, at one point. I think I do remember hearing it, but it was passing. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But always great feedback from Rennie. I love it. Anytime <sighs> yeah, I see her, anytime I see the agenda and I see her name listed, I, I get excited. I'm telling you, there was a, a, a legit squeal of delight the first time when she started leaving us feedback because I haven't heard from her in, some, in, in a little while. And to see her name in, in my inbox uh, with feedback, I was just absolutely delighted. So she never disappoints. Yeah. Thank you, Archmaster. Nope. We're Red. getting feedback on her feedback from other people. So I mean, you know, yeah. she's, she's, she's making such an impact. <laughs> yes, people are commenting on, on her feedback. Yes, that is the legacy that Archmaster <laughs> Rennie has. So, yes. 
Um, all right. The next voicemail that we have is from our good friend, Steve. Oh, that's totally not fair. They can't end this episode here. What? No. What? I, I got to watch it again. Hey, Ben and Kristen, this is Steve. And I'm watching my, my second watch of The Stand. And uh, I, Larry, not Larry, Lloyd is just a clown. Uh, totally here. Miguel Farrar was so much better. Lloyd, you're the bailiff? I thought you were the prosecutor. Glenn, that was gruesome. I guess the rock was able to break the window and the pool is empty. Oh, somebody cleaned the pool. Too soon? You know, for a demonic dictator, he's not a bad dancer. Okay, I feel a lot better about it, having watched it a second a second time, because I'm sure they're going to wrap up all the things that we uh, didn't get in this uh, in this episode, in, in in the finale, and then whatever the coda is going to give us. Um, it's interesting. There is a scene from the book that I remember uh, is like the last page of the book, and I don't want to say it because I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Um, but I think that may be the coda that we have uh, Stephen King has written for. Uh, and if it, if I'm right, I will say it next week. But if I'm wrong, I'll also say that I was wrong. Um, yeah, I do. I enjoyed it much better the second the second watch because I'm sure they're going to show us. I hope anyway they're going to show us Nick leading Tom uh, on his journey to find Stu. I hope so. Anyway, all right. Uh, can't wait to hear you guys talk about this one. A lot of stuff that I didn't even mention. So, uh, talk to you later. So, Kristen, what did you think about that voicemail? <laughs> thought it was great Tell us, as always. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Poor Steve. I swear. I don't know how he is able to like keep everyone's podcasts and episodes in order because he is so dedicated that he gives everyone feedback. So I, I just find it hilarious when he gets me yeah. mixed up. Um, I mean, for those that aren't aware, Kristen mm-hmm. is actually my co-host on the Lost Podcast. Yes, please add yeah. some context so, to that. So. Yeah, so that that would that's why this this is the second time he's done. This. Yeah, the yes. first time I didn't even pick up on it. This time I yeah. did. Yeah, I think it's um, adorable. I do too. I love it, <laughs> I, and I I love that Steve is throwing in these funny little one-liners in mm-hmm. his voicemails now. Yeah, like this, they clean the pool. This was week great. was like, oh hey, somebody clean the pool, uh, and. And last week's was, and now Larry needs a jacket. Mm-hmm. Like that was just another one. I could listen so. to that over and over. And now, <laughs> and now he needs a jacket. So, I mean, just I just I giggled so hard at that. Thank you, Steve. Um, always great to hear from you, as always, and um, always appreciate your feedback. Amazing feedback. I cannot wait until the coda. I can't wait to see what people have to say about that. Of course, I haven't watched it, so I don't even know what I'm going to say about it yet. But I feel like there's probably going to be a lot of thoughts and feelings. Um, So thank you again, everyone, for taking the time to write in. I love all the voicemails and Facebook feedback and voice voice messages. Yeah, it's always great. I mean, it's it's always great feedback. Um, I love hearing it. I love the fact that you know I don't read it ahead of time because I like just naturally reacting to it, and it's just it's great. I mean, it's just it's just so much fun. and I got to say, too, thank you to Paik 
for the the couple times he's joined us over this, and yeah. I appreciate him lending me his chair for a little while. <laughs> keeping it warm, <laughs> keeping it warm. Even though he's still got another week for me to do it. It's <laughs> still got some yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Pig. Hey, so I've got four podcasts I'm recording this week. Two of them today, two of them on another day. Like, so yeah. I'm, I'm keeping busy. You're definitely I'm, I'm keeping <laughs> busy. You don't have to, don't worry. Pake is not just sitting back in the shadows with nothing to do. He's still <laughs> keeping himself pretty busy. Um, you are in high demand in our world. Yep. So I'm happy to hear that. I'm, I think it's great because you do a really good job. So yeah, thank you for guesting with us this week. Um, really enjoyed mm. hearing what you had to say. Um and of course, next week, um, we'll be covering episode nine, which is titled Coda, Franny in the Well. And um, if anyone has forgotten, this one was written exclusively by Stephen King himself. So I'm really interested to see what he decides to do to wrap this up and end this story. Yeah. The way that he What's wants that? to do it. What's that, Kojak? Franny's in the well? <laughs> I don't know. My dogs are. <laughs> That's what I think of anytime I read I know, Franny right? in the Well. Yeah. I'm like, uh oh, call Lassie. <laughs> call Kojak. Come here, boy. Lassie's, Franny's in the Well. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, I'm looking forward to seeing what this coda is going to be as well because I have yeah. absolutely no idea. I'm just excited to see something, um, to see what Stephen King has to say, some, some work from him. Because uh, we we don't see this. I mean, we get we get his books, and we don't really see him contributing or even writing credits. You know, um, and even though he was like involved in, like he wanted to stay out of it, but they would like show him things and still get his approval and his nods of, yep, that looks good, or yep, that's okay. But I I think they were going to do what they wanted to do no matter what, regardless of what he said. But I think that they were getting his approval along the way. So we and and so you know he he had no part in writing any of this. His his son um, Owen did. He had some writing credits. Um, so this is new. I feel I don't know. I'm gonna have to go back and see if because I could be misspoken. There's been other adaptations. I'll have to go see if he's had any other writing credits or contributions to any of those screenplays or scripts. But well, Stephen like King a had a new. writing. He had a writing credit in last week's episode. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. It was, was it him Owen? And his son. Yep. It was him and Owen. Hmm. I need to go back and look at that. Okay. Well, I think this will be interesting because um, we'll at least get to see also um, how he's going to change the story. And yeah, because I think this mm-hmm. is the first time we've ever seen Steven step up and say, you know what? You do what you're going to do. I'm going to write the ending. Yeah. Like he's got Which something I've... to say. Like maybe he wants to revise it. Maybe he didn't get to do what he wanted to do. Or maybe he envisioned something a little bit differently. So. Yeah. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, okay. I, I, I would even take it as in like, okay, Nick returns Stu. Or, or uh, Tom returns Stu. Franny has the baby happily ever after, and now we just get forty minutes of Stephen King sitting in a chair reading the coda. Mm. That's not what we're gonna get. That's and not what we're gonna get. I say I would like that, and I really wouldn't. But uh, you know, no. I thought you were gonna say, and then forty minutes of Alexander Skarsgård dancing, dancing techno music to that song. Um, <laughs> people would like that. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with that. I, I'm I'm expecting almost like an Avengers Endgame style end credits at the end, like this big masterful piece of music with like these incredibly like arty like showing like the the all the cast members in mm-hmm. you know 
their final moments before they died. Um, so since, <laughs> and, and we should have talked about this earlier, but where did you guys land on this episode? You guys said you were kind of on the Oh, fence. yeah. We oh, kind yeah. of needed to do that. Um, Pake, why don't you go first? All right. Um, no, I think some of my concerns or like confusion I had were, were cleared up a little bit. Cool. Which I figured that always happens. So, yeah, I think I land more on the positive for sure. Cool. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't change... I guess kind of where I'm at as a series of a whole because there's still those, sure. you know, complaints about, you there's know, still facts, character man. development and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's going to, but I think for this episode on its own, I do, I do think, and it usually happens that I'm going to enjoy it a lot more after podcasting about it and really breaking it down and getting other viewpoints mixed in with mine. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm there with you. Um, I'm falling more on the positive side of liking the episode. I, I still have a big issue with, with Ray, but yeah. that kind of just totally. falls more into the character development or lack of character development for certain characters mm-hmm. that this whole series has been suffering from. Totally. Yes. Um, so that's just been an ongoing thing that just kind of played into this episode. So take that out. I, I enjoyed everything about it. And I, I fall on the side of positive. I am with you guys. So that's cool. I guess we all we all put our foot somewhat on the other side a little mm. bit. We're leaning that that's what, way. That's what happens when you have a sounding board. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. you get to, and you get Gotta to talk, talk about it. Gotta talk it out, man. Gotta talk it out. Yep. All right. Awesome, guys. Um, well, we are excited for you to travel to the Boulder Free Zone with us. But until then, you can follow us on Twitter at StrangeTCast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. And be sure to go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts. And speaking of great podcasts, we got a couple of fellows here that also have some great podcasts. You can check out Ben and his podcasts on the nextlevelnetwork.com and check out all of the awesome podcasts and projects um, that he has going on. Is there anything you'd like to promote this week? Just continuing to promote Wilhelm, which is coming very, very, very soon. It's been, uh, I've been promising that for a couple of weeks, but I had an over a overwhelmingly positive number of people sign up to be a guest. So awesome. it, it becomes a challenge to cast that many. I literally have about a year's worth of episodes I'm trying to cast. Yikes. So well, one bite um, at a time. <laughs> exactly. So it, it is coming, I promise, before the end of the month, it, it'll be here. So I'm just promoting Wilhelm, and I'm looking forward to, to that. We're all looking forward to that. That's yeah. awesome. And Paik, um, as we mentioned, you are super busy as well. You're still doing Run for Your yeah. Lives um, with Daphne, where you guys are covering yes. your creature features and um, other movies in that genre. Um, anything in particular you'd like to promote this week from that? Uh, so yeah, for Run for Your Lives, um, our most recent episode up is we did the 2019 movie Crawl, which is about people trapped in a basement with alligators during a hurricane. Oh, yeah, it's actually a lot of fun. It's it was really fun. I, yeah. I watched it as like a popcorn flick, like yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Went back when it came out in 2019, and I actually really loved it. So that's it the one with the spinning knife blade, right? No, uh, no, that's Crawl. Sorry, Kroll, oh, Kroll, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You get we get a joke from that on yeah. with Steve. I was like, why um, are you not falling into this? You know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, it, it took me a second. Oh, yeah. And then the one that we will be coming up with this weekend that will be out again in the next couple of days when you hear this. 
is uh, we are covering Tremors 2. Nice. Because our first ever episode was Tremors. And we've already hit the milestone of 25 episodes, which is pretty crazy. That's already nice. happened. And so Congrats. we figured like 25 is a fun milestone. So what better way to celebrate that than where we started with Tremors and do the next sequel of that? That's awesome. Congratulations. So, that'd be fun. So are you going to do another Tre- Trevor's Tremors movie every 25 episodes of the podcast? Yes, we are. Out? Okay. Yes, we are. <laughs> we have. We actually kind of discussed like that's kind of the... Every 25 is a good like milestone to go back and visit the Graboids and whatever else that they do. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> Indeed. And then we do have like, I think this is the first time I, I did talk about it on the other podcast that I did today, but Daphne <laughs> has not signed off on me saying it, but I'll say it anyway. Um, <laughs> so then after Tremors too, so then the week after that, we're going to do kind of like a special like season finale, even though we're going to just do another episode right after that. But it's just going to be like a little wrap up of like those first 25. We'll kind of recap some of our favorite movies monsters characters of those first 25 movies we did and kind of hope hope to get some good feedback i hope some guys uh, some people ooh, punch in my microphone um <laughs> hope people will get back to us to you know give us some of their favorite like moments characters monsters and stuff of these 25 movies i think it'd be a really awesome. cool little wrap up it's always kind of nice to take a little bit recap. of a look back right kind of yeah. look back and look at what you've and done then, yeah. yeah then the other podcast i did earlier today that uh hopefully will be up soon is uh panels to pixels mm. with mark and Steve, usually Steve wasn't on this episode because they're splitting shows right now. So they're doing WandaVision and Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. And so me and Mark and Jason from Deadcast and House Podcast covered episode five of WandaVision. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And and I will actually be on Panels to Pixels talking about WandaVision on the WandaVision half of Panels to Pixels mm-hmm. uh, covering episodes six, seven, and eight. Oh, nice. wow. Or six, yes. Yeah, so six, seven, eight, and nine. Doing the whole back half of the yeah, season. I'm doing, the, ba- I'm doing yeah. the back half of the season with Mark. Um, cool. So that'll be fun. And possibly 10, because there's a... Yeah, there's, there's, there's rumors rumor of like a secret a, episode. A tenth episode yeah. that might be dropping too. Wow. So we'll, well see. You guys are busy. I'm happy just to sit back and <laughs> keep up with this one for now. Although, Pake, you and I will be on Jason Zed's show this, later this week. But um, other yeah. than that, I'm... So if you're a... I'll throw a little bit to that. If you're if you're a fan of Walking Dead cast and Podcastica, but have not joined the Patreon group and and kind of given into the Patreon and stuff there, there is a Patreon exclusive podcast, the Zed Head Show, where we do some fun stuff. And me and Remo will be recording for that this week, yeah. talking music and stuff. And you can so join the group cool. and hang out with all of us because yeah. we're all there. <laughs> we're so much fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, can't wait, can't wait for that. That's more work I have to do. Um, <laughs> so I'm lazy this week, guys. I just don't know if I can get there. That's great. Thanks, guys, um, for letting everyone know what you guys have have going on. It's good to know everyone's busy and has some things going on. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Uh, but that's our show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Until next time, I'm Rima. I'm Ben. And I'm Pate. And Emily C. is strange indeed. <laughs>